0: to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is...
1: I am the Pope in Question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google, and it is episode 406 of the podcast. Yes, that is the episode we're at. Don't question it. Very excited about today. I'm going to say right now... Uh, this is the most I have worked on a single chap. Yes. I watched a few documentaries. I uh, did research. I read an entire nonfiction novel about the subject. Really? I visited the subject's grave. Yes. This is the hardest I have ever worked on a chap, and I've been working on it for about three and a half weeks now. It's all I've talked about to the entirety of my family, and it's a lot, but this might be the first time ever that I think I have more shap than discussion for this week's movie, which is a big deal, because this is a huge movie we're doing this week. Yes, we are. Oh my goodness gracious. So, very excited about this week, and uh, uh, we have a, a old... Um. Uh, what is it? An old uh, thing we used to do that's coming back. What's the word I'm looking for? An old thing we used to do. Segment. Segment. segment. I have an old segment that's coming back. Very excited about this week's episode. Independence Day. So, uh, yeah, let's just get to it. Yes. It's time once again to play America's favorite game show. Where in the world is Melania Trump? It's difficult to say it. Melania Trump. Where in the world is Melania Melania Trump? Trump? Yeah, I I should have workshopped that with you before you. Yeah, I, I can smell the dead bug. Can you not while I'm podcasting? The smell of roasting. We got these uh, electric fly swatter things, my wife and I, and it's the it's the coolest thing that we've ever bought. Okay, looks like a tennis
0: racket. Like,
1: (laughs) hey, we've had a lot to drink. Hey, it's late. Let's go to bed. But first, you want to go outside and swat bugs for a while? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's one hundred percent. Yeah, what? Oh man, it's so late. We should go to bed. See you. Yeah. Let's, let's go, go outside and swat some bugs it was fun <laughs> so uh, we haven't seen Melania Trump since she left the White House uh, at this point in time it would be easier to find Scientology leader David Miscavige's wife than Melania Trump right now yes He's missing no one knows where she is and so last week before his big rally Donald Trump called into Newsmax TV and had a typically long-winded interview full of softball questions and rambling nonsensical long-winded answers and the the Newsmax not a journalist uh, more of a clown the news the Newsmax clown Asked a softball question, so Mr. President. Uh, so how? What has your wife been up to? What has your wife been doing? So we haven't seen her since you both left the White House. What is Melania up to? What is the First Lady up to these days? And Donald Trump, being a real master of the English language. Oh, what a wordsmith he is! Yes, such a a brilliant brilliant uh, uh, man with a real command of the English language. He gave a short and precise answer as to exactly where Melania is and what she's doing in typical Donald Trump style. Would you like to know what Melania Trump has been up to? Uh, Speaking with lawyers? No. Uh, So here's the answer that Donald Trump gave as to where Melania is and what she's been up to. Uh, Donald Trump said the following, and I quote, Well, you know, it's very funny. She's a very confident person. She was very successful as a model. She was very, very successful. And she's low-key, but not actually low-key, but she's low-key. And the people love her. For instance, I'm about to make a big speech in Ohio. We're going to have big crowds. They already have them lined up. We're going to have big crowds, big crowds tomorrow night. And when I go there, there'll be many, many signs. People have signs. They bring signs. The signs say, we love our first lady. We love our first lady. And a lot of times, they show a picture of a heel of a high heel, a shoe with just a high heel. And you know, Hurricane Harvey, that's when they really scammed us because she went to a hurricane and in Texas and we left for Air Force One and she feels an obligation to be beautifully dressed representing the people of our country. So she walked into the plane wearing, you know, we're looking great. And she had a bag and the bag were sneakers and sweatsuits and all the things, right? And she got hammered for going to a hurricane that way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the high heels became a big thing. Anyway, they loved them. first lady and the people and you don't read that and you don't read that and they the news loves to keep her out and that's okay frankly with her it's absolutely okay you understand she's got a lot of confidence got a lot of confidence she's very low-key but not low-key she's an outstanding person and look the bottom line is the people get it you know she do those decorations at christmas time she do such a job and then get hammered she did such a beautiful job outside and around the white house and you know what with the rose garden she Rebuilt the rose garden, you know, which is actually a much more difficult thing than it sounds. You might think that it's easy, but it's not. And now it's good for another 50 years. And that includes all of the wires and all of the everything that's under the rose garden that nobody sees because you don't see that stuff. But it looks like the dashboard of a 757 under there. It's a lot of complicated things and stuff. And she did a great job. And the people, I can only tell you, look, the people get it, and they really like our first lady. So there you go. Wow. It's nice to know where Melania Trump is and what she's doing. Yeah? Yeah man I wanna I want to dig up that William Shakespeare just so that he can see what a real poet is like.
0: That's this is true. Yeah, So bunny, I have a question for you. What do you
1: think Melania Trump is doing?
0: um i I, I think she's talking to lawyers. I think she's talking to a lot of lawyers. Uh, one, to cover her own ass, and two, how to get rid of this fucking jerk. Well, I have some ideas as to
1: what Melania Trump might be doing. Now that she's out of the spotlight of being the first lady, she's really free now to focus on her passions. So I have some ideas of what she's doing. Uh, number one, probably working on her thesis. Because, you know, she was about to get her doctorate and then, oh, I've got to be first lady. So so if anything, being the first lady of the United States was a step down for her. But now she can focus on her real passion. Academics. Yes. Academics. Uh, Probably out curing cancer somewhere. Oh, we're no longer at the White House. Great. I can go back to my lab and resume my experiments. Yes. Uh, and uh, if she's not doing either of those things, of course, the big answer would be, where is Melania Trump? Oh, she's walking the earth like Kane and Kung Fu, meeting people, getting into adventures. Yeah. That's Melania Trump. Because Melania Trump doesn't need uh, personal things. She just needs like a, like a, like a what, what's the name of those things that the homeless people would have in the TV shows? A bindle. Like a, Bindle on a stick, yep. just walking the earth, just walking the earth, helping the people who need helping. That's probably what she's doing, and definitely not hiding from your from her abusive husband that she can't fucking stand, and only married
0: for money. No, she's
1: working on helping the planet.
0: She is, and we forget about her many charities and things like that. You know mm-hmm. that she's working mm-hmm. on a, a breast implants for for impoverished youth you know because y- y- you can't do your best unless you feel your best remember you know? in
1: the 80s remember in the 80s when you'd be changing channels on the tv and you'd get to the religious channel and 40 percent of the time it was either jim and tammy faye baker crying about how they need more money or it were it was those roided out bodybuilders for Jesus. You remember those guys? Uh, vaguely. Were, I'm gonna rip apart 100 phone books. Oh yes, I'm definitely. Break. I'm gonna break these 100 bars. You know why I did that? Jesus, you know Jesus tells us. Yeah, she was one of those people. It would be all of these like six foot eleven. Roided out guys, and then Melania Trump, and she'd be like, "I'm going to break 100 wooden boards with my penis because of Jesus," and then she'd do it, and yeah, you'd see her on there all the time. So now that she is free to from being the first lady, she can focus on her real
0: passions—breaking
1: planks of wood with her penis. Yes, just like those people in the 80s, they were everywhere. I wonder what happened to those people. That's funny. I haven't thought of that in a while. Anyway, this is already more time than I thought we'd spend on Melania Trump, so cut on that segment. Cut on that. Cut. Yes. This is the fourth week of our summer-long summer of bottoming, where we will spend all summer doing deep dives into IMDB's Bottom 100. The Internet Movie Database's list of the 100 worst films of all time, and every week, I also want to take a small chunk of Act One to talk about one of the multitude of
0: films on the list that we will not be doing. And, and, and this is also where I am. I now traditionally vote in your poll.
1: Yes, there is no poll this week. Oh, because the the polls have been fun. Because in the beginning, like, we're in the 90s, we're in the 80s, we're in the 70s. It doesn't matter which movie we do. So I'll put, you know, three movies on a poll on Twitter, and then people can go to that and vote. But the, the farther we get into the list, the more that there will be films we just have to do. Yes, this is true. So... Uh, next week, I'll just say this now, next week we are absolutely doing the Spice Girls movie. We have to do the Spice Girls movie.
0: Well, I think you I think you should do the poll regardless, even okay. if there is only one option. Okay.
1: Well, then maybe I'll do that. I'll, I'll put three movies and they're all the same film. Yeah, they'll, they'll just yeah. all be Spice Girl. The Spice Girls movie Spice Girls the movie or Spice World the Spice Girls movie. And then people can choose from that. But the farther we get into it, uh, the more that we'll be of uh, putting the list to the side. Anyway, this week we will be discussing a 2017 Turkish comedy that I could not find an English translation of. It's a film called Recep Ivedik 5, which is currently number 89 on the list of IMDb's bottom 100. I don't know much about Turkish cinema beyond Turkish Star Wars, Turkish Spider Man, mm. Turkish Rambo, Turkish The Passion of the Christ, which features a lot of Jar Jar Binks clips. Yes. Uh, uh, Turkish Godfather which features a lot of scenes from Turkish Spider-Man surprisingly. And uh, other uh Turkish bootleg Turkish movies. But from what I can tell Re- the character of Recep İvedik is to Turkish cinema kind of sort of what Ernest was to American cinema. Okay following me here because they've made six Recep Ivedik movies so far in Turkey and the character of Recep Ivedik is a tall, lumbering, oafish, angry, but still very innocent Turkish guy with a huge unibrow who gets into wacky adventures. There's one film where where uh, he's going to visit his family because there's a funeral. But, oh, he gets the wrong ticket. He's in Africa? Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy adventures. Recep Evadeek's gonna get into this time. And apparently to the, to the people of Turkey, he represents a, a type of Turkish man that, like, I am super strong. I am angry. I am. I am. I am a Turkish man. Uh, You know, in sort of the same way that, like, if you're from Colorado and you find yourself driving through, um, driving through Alabama, you might say, "Oh man, there's a lot of earnests here." You know, like, "Hey Vern, hey Vern, let's go on down to the soda shop." Hey Vern, sort of like that as far as I can tell, the first Recep Ivedek film, the character first appeared on a Turkish TV series, and he was so popular that they decided to make a movie. The first Recep Ivedek film came out in 2008. It cost only $500,000 to make, and it made $35 million. That is a huge that is a huge uh, win for a five hundred thousand dollars movie. So since then, they've just been cranking out recep Eva Deek films. And in the fifth one, he accidentally he he uh, a friend of his dies and he visits the family and he feels really bad for the family. And oh, um, my son is dead and we feel so sad he, he, he, was, he was had just agreed to do a job too he was going to be a driver for a sports team and so Recep says I will honor my friend and I will do his job and I will complete it so he's a driver for a team of athletes and then the athletes get sick so Recep Evadik has to complete has to compete in the Olympics all by himself he's like the entire Turkish team or something I can't entirely tell. Yeah, I, I'm not from Turkey, but Recep Evidik is basically a patriotic earnest.
0: I I'm I, I think that uh, whereas I may like may not like these movies, I may like mm. him himself. Just yeah. calling out bullshit of Turkish men. Yeah. Yeah, like, I am angry, and,
1: and I am very masculine, and I am strong. I'm also kind of stupid, but I have a heart of gold, and I love my family, but I'm not the brightest person, and I'm angry, and I'm going to get into wacky shenanigans, and and yeah. Uh, so Reset Eva Deek 5 was one of the highest grossing Turkish films of all time. And also, like the Ernest movies, here's another uh, uh Like a connection to the Ernest franchise is that the Recep Ivedik films are huge at the box office and everyone goes to see them and everyone, all of the Turkish people love them and think they're hilarious. Critics fucking hate them. Yeah. Period. They fucking, so if anything, Recep Ivedik is to Turkish cinema. I don't know what the Transformers are to America. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like if it's like if they were making the Transformers films in America but somehow all the Autobots were from America and all of the Decepticons were Mexicans.
0: Yeah. So, all I know uh, is finding finding the artwork for this bit is going to be a lot of fun.
1: He's got this unibrow and he's got a flag and he's at a stadium because he he's just the he's the only member of the entire Olympic team. But it's not the Olympics, it's like the, I don't know, the Slovenian Games or some shit. Like I don't know. But I thought about doing it like I found copies of the movie, but it's only in Turkish, and we have already done that on the podcast. we have. And I didn't feel the, the need to do it again. But yeah, it's the highest grossing film in Turkey, but also the worst reviewed movie in the history of Turkey, because all the critics are like, oh, Turkish cinema is brilliant and beautiful, and not this dreck, which is just for the commoners, sort of a thing. Yeah. So this is a movie that people like, critics fucking hate, so, yeah, it's out there. And they made, like, two more after this. They made a bunch of Recep, Eva Deke films. And uh, I'm still one not sure. Uh, this is really just a layman's American. It's difficult to figure out what this uh, series really is because I'm not from Turkey. Yeah. But I think I did a pretty decent idea of explaining it. But, but yeah. So that's Recep Eva Deep five number eighty nine on our list of the one hundred worst movies of all time. I don't know if it's that bad,
0: you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to say, and certainly, I mean, without a soundtrack, we are not really gonna yeah. get the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this even is even with but, but, but, the yeah, soundtrack. And- Even with the soundtrack and excellent dubbing, just coming from Turkish society to here, we still might not get the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's going to mock Turkish men, which I I think is pretty awesome, but he's still going to do it within the bounds of society. I mean, like, he's not going to go nuts and start ripping up pictures of Muhammad. You know,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, which would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's so that's uh, so that's this week's look at one of the movies we won't be doing. I don't know what we're gonna do next week, but what I might do next week is change up the format because there's a lot of movies that were on the bottom 100 list that have since left. Yeah, find that fascinating that the bottom 100 list is ever changing. And so some movies come on it and then some movies leave. Like Leonard Part Six is no longer one of the worst movies of all time. I find that fascinating. Yes. I find it absolutely fascinating. And other movies like that. So we might do that next week. But tune in next week and see. So cut on that. Ah, oh, so excited for this. Honey! Yes. From December 2018 to March 2020, I was signed up for the AMC A List program. Yes, which a subscription service where for 1995 a one month I got three free movies a week, and in all of that time, there was only one week where I saw just two movies, and for the rest of the weeks, I saw three movies a week every week. Yes, then the hit, and my A-list account was put on hold, the last Steve Stubbs we did was episode 253. Wow. Well, it's been over a year, but guess who's back? Me, Steve, back to watching movies and theaters and discussing the movies here on the podcast. It is time again once again for the triumphant return of Steve Stubbs of the Week!
0: Really? You're actually doing one, like, now?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I totally
1: One. I'm so glad to be back. During my A-list heyday, because I was doing the math when we did this segment on the podcast, during my A-list heyday, I saw 178 movies in a 66-week period. That is impressive. During the pandemic... I only saw four movies in theaters. I saw Back to the Future yes. at the discount theater by my house because the discount theater was closing down and I was really depressed about that. Uh, I saw Avengers because a movie theater uh, one town down in Seminole, Oklahoma. They opened up and they were showing some old movies. They were showing Zootopia and Avengers. So I went to go see Avengers there. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. I saw that in IMAX. And then Spiral, which was all right. Yeah. So so we're back to doing Steve Stubbs. I am not doing three movies a week. There's not enough movies in theaters right now for me no. to do three a week. So I'm trying to do two movies a week. But if I don't do two movies a week, I, I'm not going to cry about it. So I'm trying to do two a week. And this past week, I saw the following two movies the documentary Summer of Soul, and the Disney live-action movie Cruella. Okay. Now, every time I do Steve Stubbs of the week, there is one movie that I choose as the Steve Stubbs pick of the week. Now, before we... Before I announce what uh, Steve Stubbs' pick of the week is, I'd like to discuss the movie that was not chosen as my pick of the week, the Disney live-action film Cruella, starring uh, uh, Emma Stone. Stone and Emma Thompson, the two Emmas. Okay. You could call it an Emma because there's two Emmas. Yes. And very invasive. So um, Cruella... It's fine. Yeah. It's it's fine. It's just fine. It's mostly harmless.
2: Yeah.
1: When I said on Twitter, I was like, hey, I'm back to to going to movies and watching a ton of movies and and I'm going to be watching Cruella. Everyone said the same thing. You know what? It's a lot of fun. You're really going to like it. It's a blast. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Had a great time watching that. Wasn't expecting it to be good, but it was really good. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to see for myself if I like this or not. But everyone was heaping praise on it. But this is what the movie is. It's a comedy drama, murder, revenge, fashion movie.
0: Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. And that it's was kind well, of my impressions from previews and things. And it's well over two hours. Oh, nobody needs that, do they?
1: But it's saved by a pretty good cast. Uh, Emma Stone is really good in this. Um, and there are two characters. One of them is a journalist, a female journalist, and the other one is a lawyer. And at the end of the, I don't know the original Disney One Hundred and
0: One Dalmatians that much. Yeah, no, neither do I. I. I I've seen it once. Yeah, so
1: it took me a while to realize that. Wait a second, Cruella is being helped by a a young black journalist, while the bad guy is has a lawyer who is played by Nandor, one of the vampires from the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. And I thought to myself, how come no one bothered to tell me that one of the vampires from TV's What We Do in the Shadows was in this damn movie? Because maybe I would have seen it before now. Yeah. I was offended that no one told me that Nandor was in this movie but then but then uh nandor gets fired and he decides to do a different career choice so he tries to become a songwriter it wasn't until the end of the movie that i realized wait a second number one the couple who meet and fall in love the the two human heroes from the movie 101 dalmatians were in this and you got um one of the vampires from what we do in the shadows to be the white male and a young black woman to be the white female. Good for you, Disney. (laughs) You just totally racially changed the stars of 101 Dalmatians. Good for you. Also, there's a character that's super gay, but uh, the, the two people that really,
0: that I really liked in the movie. Super gay. Like, does he have a cape?
1: Super ultra and a logo? Uh, super ultra mega mega gay.
0: I am super gay.
1: Almost so super gay, he's like he's mecha gay. Yes. So but but uh cruella has two flunkies and they make the movie because they are human, real life, live action versions. Of every two flunkies in every Disney animated movie. Okay. So there's one guy, and he's tall, and he's smarter, and then there's the other one who is shorter and fat and hilarious. Yes. They're best friends. They go everywhere, and they get into bumbling adventures, and the tall, smarter one was the roadie for the singer who is passing off the Beatles songs as his own in the movie yesterday.
0: Okay. And I,
1: really, I really liked that guy in the movie yesterday, and I was happy to see him in something else. Like, oh, you were in the movie yesterday, and I thought you were wonderful in that, and now you're the co-star of this big-time Disney movie. Good for you. You're getting that money. Yes. But but what I but the one thing that's really great about this movie is the soundtrack because it's set in the 60s in London, and so the soundtrack has a Rolling Stone song, and then it's playing Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made for Walking, and then it's playing I Gotcha by Joe Tex, which was in the Reservoir Dog soundtrack, and then it's playing another Rolling Stone song I, I don't know, She's a Rainbow and then you're hearing a Beatles cover by like Ike and Tina Turner and then you're hearing a, uh, a Kink song and then you're hearing a Queen song and then you're hearing uh, they played uh, Time of the Season by the Zombies and in my head I just kept saying oh yeah, you know the Zombies by the time this song came out and it was popular the band is actually had actually broken up but the record company and hey, nobody knows what the zombies look like, so we'll just release a bunch of fake bands and have them pretend that they're the band. Anyway, uh, it, I was really excited to hear hear that song because I wrote a whole chap about it.
0: But well, that's just like just like sometime this week, Bruce Nobles had posted something about the uh, Oswega Indian murders. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we well that was like two or three years ago wasn't it that we covered that one yeah. yeah
1: but like i find i'm finding myself singing along to all of these amazing songs that i know and going oh man this movie is great oh man this movie is great but about about an hour into the film is when i realized i don't like this film i just like the soundtrack yes The soundtrack is so good and filled with so many songs that uh, the movie is actually not that good. It's a weird comedy, drama, murder, mystery, fashion movie. Yeah. Set in London in the 60s, and I don't give a shit about watching that, but the soundtrack is so good that you're, like, tricked into liking the film. But if all of the really good songs were removed from this movie, and I don't know, you got... I don't get Alan Silvestri to, to, to come up with a score for the film and not use any of those popular songs. I love that. Then uh, the movie would just be okay.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. You know, you get into yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, you watch Bohemian Rhapsody and there is a lot to enjoy there. And then you find out that what there is to enjoy there is the music of Queen. Yeah. yeah. And And if you take the music of Queen out of the Queen movie, there's barely a fucking movie there.
1: Yeah. So,
0: Cruella,
1: it's fine. It's fine. It's mostly harmless. It's okay. In the first ten minutes of the movie, Cruella's mom is killed by Dalmatians. Yeah. That is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, it's fine. It's fine. If it's on and you watch it, it's fine. At least the soundtrack is great. So so that's Ruella. And finally, the Steve Stubbs pick of the week is the documentary Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. That's the full title. Yeah, Summer of Soul and then Parentheses, or when the revolution cannot be televised. So in the summer of 68, there were a lot of riots in Harlem because Malcolm X was killed. John F. Kennedy is like hey I think maybe we should be nicer to the blacks and end the war. He was killed and then uh, uh, his brother is like I'm gonna follow in my brother's footsteps and then he did by also being killed and then Martin Luther King jr was also killed. And so there's all of these riots and all of this stuff. So then when the summer of nineteen sixty nine came around, the mayor is like, we need to do something, cause Harlem is going to be there's going to be all of these riots. Like last summer, there were a ton of riots. We need to do something to keep black people calm and and to to make them not go crazy in the super hot summer. And so they did a series of free concerts in the park in Harlem. And the concert—it was every Sunday for six weeks, and it featured some of the biggest black musicians of the time. Uh, Stevie Wonder was there. I had no idea that a blind man could be such a good freaking drummer. (laughs) Okay. Not only that, but you're blind, and you walk from the microphone to the drum set by yourself, sit down, pick up the drumsticks, and do an incredible solo without seeing a fucking thing. Yeah. Damn Stevie Wonder. And also, he was like 20 or 21 at the time. Like, fuck. Uh, Nina Simone... Sly and the Family Stone, B.B. King, Gladys Knight and the Pips, and the Fifth Dimension were there.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I didn't know
1: they were black! No? When I heard, you know, uh, all these hippies going when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, I just assumed, oh, these are some fucking white hippies that uh, that were super into astrology and smoked some weed and decided to sing a song from Hair. But no, they were all black, and and and I was shocked to see that the Fifth Dimension were black. And then they interviewed some surviving members of the Fifth Dimension today, and they said the hardest part about being uh, musicians is that everyone assumed we were white, and I, that made me feel <laughs> so good. It's like oh. Thank you. I thought I was being the most racist son of a bitch in the world. Thank you. Everyone thought you were white. It's not just me.
0: That's I you. don't know. I, I, I guess maybe I've seen them on television at the time or something like that. Because the Fifth Dimension really had their fucking moment. You know? Yeah. With, they uh, said they with their Aquarius first- and <laughs> Up Up and Away and Everyday People was a major thing. Everyday People was family stone uh, they were amazing oh, they was had a it? white drummer
1: yeah they had a white drummer and they had a white like a like a bass player and then one of their horn players was a woman and they mentioned in the documentary that that was really shocking to a lot of people in harlem to see like you, you have white people on stage like a white person is this good on drums yeah. and you've got men women in your horn section which was surprising for the time that like here is a woman who is playing the the the you know the trumpet and is just as good with all of the other men who are playing instruments and and it's a really good documentary yeah it was really incredible and so they filmed all of this with a bunch of cameras and then once the concerts were done They got the footage, and they shopped it around, but no one gave a shit. Why? Because it's the summer of 1969, and all people can talk about are all the fucking white hippies that are having sex in the mud uh, 100 miles away in Woodstock. So this footage sat in a basement unused for 50 years. Until... A quest love from The Roots and The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon found the footage and made a documentary about it. It's an amazing documentary, incredible fucking music, a great message. They not only interviewed all of the musicians that were still alive and then showed them some of the footage of that concert, and a lot of them are crying and stuff, but they also interviewed some people who still live in Harlem who were there at the concert, just audience members. And it's just, it was a great film with a great message and it was the perfect film for my first movie back. It is in theaters and it's also on Hulu right now. So I watched the film in theaters. I was the only one in the theater, which was great because I could move around a little bit and bob my head and sing along to the songs that I knew and not feel bad. Yeah. Not like ashamed or anything but i had a blast and the first thing i did when i got home is downloaded the movie so i could watch it again it's a great fucking film a documentary currently it's on my very short list of the three best movies of the year for me
0: nice
1: it's at at the moment it's barb and Sargo to vista del mar nobody and then summer of soul are my
0: three favorite movies to come out this year. Except for the one I haven't seen, I've got to agree with the other two. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, that was uh, Steve Stubbs this week. Next week, I will be seeing the Boss Baby sequel. Boss Baby 2 Cruise Control.
2: This one's
1: in a cruise ship. Uh, oh no, sorry. That's Boss Baby Two: The Dark World, uh. and not Electric Boogaloo because that's that's played. That's just played. Uh, and I'm not sure what else, but we'll figure that out. Uh, yeah, and cut on that. I'm really excited that Steve Stubbs is back. I'm back oh to watch. God, yes. Yeah, that is the freaking best. Okay, uh... Yes? We still have a full show. We've got Bunny Versus uh, where I will be spending some time talking about Stephen King and why he might be a son of a bitch. Okay. Um, I've got one of the biggest shaps ever. It is the greatest story ever and I can't Wait! to talk about it. We're going to be talking about um, the producer of Blood Feast. We're going to be talking about Dwayne Asper, who we've talked about before. We're going to be talking about Lee Majors. We're going to be talking about Oklahoma. We're going to be talking about the 1967 horror movie She Freak. And also <laughs> the chap, this entire chap is about a criminal from the Wild West. Okay. I'm so I am 100% obsessed with this week's chap, and I cannot wait. But, but, and, and, oh, and we've got to talk about Nicholas Cage. Oh, God, yes, we do. I always had a crush on Lily Sobieski. Who was that? Always had a crush. She was the one in the Wicker Man remake who was like, can I come with you? Will you take me with you like she worked at the bar?
0: and the yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was she was really cute in a Helen Hunt kind of way. Yeah, I I
1: I always liked her growing up. It pisses me off that this film was rated R but then it's like 2006 and every horror movie has to be PG-13. So let's so they took a lot out And it's like, damn it, I got really excited because, like, oh, Lily Sobieski's in this. And the original Wicker Man had a ton of nudity. Come on, nudity. Oh, shit, this is PG-13. Fuck! There's no (laughs) having sex in the field in this one. Yeah. Pissed off pissed off and I, I'm sorry I'm sorry I know that we're about to go on a break and I know that we need to save all of this for when we get to the conversation but Edward Woodward was a man with principles he was a devout Christian he believed in the police force and yes. he had morals, and he believed in Christ and that's what made him so so believable as the hero who is meeting all of these uh, like paganistic people Nicolas Cage is just a fucking schlubby policeman with P.T and a bee allergy
0: yeah. uh-huh. I don't give a shit what happens to him Edward the, the equalizer had principles well that that yeah yeah yeah we're gonna have to get to that cause yeah that's, a, that's a major oh, yeah. fucking thing
1: I know I know before we get to any of that maybe we should take a break should we take a break we
0: should take a break
1: okay I concur we will be right back with more of the Popong film after this, do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do do Everybody, It's me, Mr. Steve. Well, it's Thursday. How's your Thursday doing? It's totally Thursday and not Saturday after my Raising Little Leaders story time and I'm going through a story time marathon to make my week easier. Look, I'm in a different outfit. Anyway, today's video is a strange one. If you are familiar with this channel, you know I make a lot of references to pop culture and I use a lot of little clips here and there. And so this is a short compilation of some of my favorite clips that I use during storytime videos. Some of them you may have seen before in other videos. Some of them you may have seen a bunch of times in other videos. But it's a fun little video that you'd enjoy.
3: Woo! I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help.
0: Life, uh finds a way. Imagination!
4: Bump bump bump. Got any grapes?
1: Not funny! Thank you for being a friend! Travel down the road and back again! Mr. Steve is recording this theme song so he doesn't get a copyright strike! And if you threw a party invited everyone you knew oh, wow you would see the biggest gift would be for me and the card attached would say be
5: sure to like and subscribe to hi it's vince with sham wow you'll be saying wow every time you use this towel <laughs>
3: This is called foreshadowing. Foreshadowing happens when clues in a story hint at future events. Roll the cheese. Advising law markers,
6: I can see he had
7: No, no, no, no, no, no, no,
1: I just got a dog. Would you like to see my dog? Come here, Fido Spot. Bark, bark, woof. I am dog. Bring me bone. Only bone shall sustain me. <laughs>
5: i am would you like green eggs and ham would you like them over there or would you like them over here would you eat them in a box would you eat them with a fox would you like them in a house Would you like them with a mouse? You may like them, you will see You may like them in a tree would you, could you with a goat? Would you, could you in a boat? I could not like them. Those green eggs and ham. I cannot stand them. Mr. Sam, I am. Would you cut you in a car? Eat them, eat them, here they are. How about in the rain, in the dark, or on a train?
3: just did some talking to the sun I said I didn't like the way she got things done sleeping on the job those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling but there's one thing I know The blues, they send to me, won't defeat me. It won't be long, till happiness steps up to greet me. Rain drops are falling on my head, that doesn't mean my eyes Will soon be turning red Clients not for me Because I'm never gonna stop the rain By complaining Because
7: I'm free
4: I know it exactly.
2: Now, by my mother's son, that's myself, it shall be moon or star or anything I list. Ere we journey back to your father's. Go on. Hit the board. There's
1: seriously, something wrong. With you. <laughs>
6: You've heard his hauntingly beautiful music in movies. On radio and TV, he's sold over 20 million records around the world. His name is Sam Fear, Master of the pan Flute, that magical instrument with the unforgettable sound. Now in his magnificent all-new collection, Sam Fear plays the world's most beautiful melody. treasury but remember this magnificent collection is not sold in stores please stay tuned to order use your credit card and save COD charges by calling toll free 1-800-421-2000 or to save all additional charges send check or money order for only $12.98 for two albums or two cassettes, or 1998 for two compact discs, To Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Remember that's Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. You just make sure you come back next week.
2: And we're
0: back with more of the Pope on Film.
1: Money. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting pulse pounding? booty-shaking installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, funny verses. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? You're not getting on my computer, cat, okay? You've turned off the podcast once. That is one too many. If you want to lay down, that's fine. You're not getting on the computer, okay? You are not getting on this computer. Pissing me off. Are you ready, Bunny? I am ready. Okay, then. Without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny.
0: Oh, fuck you, too, YouTube. What we happened? He may have used copyrighted information. Oh, fuck you. Gotcha. <laughs>
2: was really good on the tv.
0: Oh. Yeah. What what glasses are those?
1: I don't know, I found them in Emerald's room. Yeah. But Emerald's not here. Emerald is still with Jeremy. So these are my glasses until Emerald comes back.
0: They're catching a lot more reflection than your your blue ones do. Yeah. These ones are these ones are good. I'm going
1: for an Elton John type of a thing.
0: Like if you came really really close, we could probably see your screen in your glasses. Oh yeah. Yeah.
7: Can't so exactly
0: tell what you're looking at. Over here,
1: I've got uh zoom and then over here I've got the uh, or is that Zoom? And yeah, okay, so this over here is Zoom, and then this over here is YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're very reflective. So I'll look down when I'm staring at porn.
0: And it and it also helped me get a better look at the glasses, because like normally I could barely see I'm old. And and that is a style. That is a style that I like a lot.
2: Yeah. They're like butterflies
0: the kind of aviator types yeah you know so. i would i would prefer a darker gradient yeah
1: but, yes, so, but i still like them yeah mm-hmm. wow my hair looks a lot greener on tv on youtube good. <laughs> okay.
2: Bunny, before
1: we begin, I wanted to mention something on Bunny Versus. Yes. Okay. So on June 29th, 2021, the year of our Lord, 2021, Stephen King, the author, yes, tweeted the following, quote, what is the worst horror film you ever saw? For me, It's Blood Feast. Okay. First off, fuck you, Stephen King. (laughs) Secondly, there are films based on your work that are worse than Blood Feast.
0: Yes. This is true.
1: Secondly, I have seen films... That are worse than Blood Feast. Oh my god, what was the name of that horrible movie where the all of the appliances came to life? Maximum Overdrive. Yes! Now, horrible movie. Who directed that? I don't know. Some cokehead with a drinking problem. <laughs> oh no way! It was you, Stephen King!
0: So you can fuck right off. Yeah, I... I... Blood Feast, Blood Feast is what it is and it serves its own purpose in its own little niche which is basically gore porn yeah and that's all you know we don't really care about the backstory of the pizza delivery boy okay yeah just that it's a really nice thick Sicilian yeah you know that's all we care about We don't really care about the goddess Ishtar, you know. We want to see somebody squish a cow liver with with fake blood poured all over it. Well, Larry, in close up, another
1: long hard one. Yes, (laughs) love that line. And then you see the bad guy get squished to death in a trash compactor and there's blood and guts everywhere and then you just now see this is how i knew this was going to happen let's let's let's not react to the man we saw crushed to death in a trash compactor no let's just do the exposition and wrap this film yes with no emotion whatsoever as to the horrible thing we just witnessed yes Someone was crushed in front of us. Interesting. Anyway, see you later, Larry. <laughs> I go. It's bowling night. But yeah, there, there have been Stephen King films that were worse than Blood Feast. That just pissed me
0: off. Stephen just King, off. but but like I can give him a little bit of a pass, because he's just turned into such... He turned into exactly what we should have known he would turn into. He turned yeah. into a curmudgeon-y old guy from Maine. Yeah, yeah, that's who he is. Stephen King has become what was his name? Judd Crandall from Pet Cemetery? Yeah, played by yeah. Fred Gwynn. That's yeah. Stephen King now. Yeah, that, that's a good that's a good explanation that's,
1: of that's who he is.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good explanation of present day Stephen King. Yeah. Stephen oh. King is the only one who knows everything's. who knows what's up in every horror movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You stay away from that old Willow's
1: place. <laughs> Some people say it's haunted. It all started in 1902. Yeah. That's Stephen King now.
0: I haven't read a Stephen King book in a really long time. Uh, like a new one. I mean, I've reread some yeah. old shit. But uh... I, last, I, I don't know. The last... I, there's always been periods with me and Stephen King where I love him or I really don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like coming off of Cujo and coming into like. Dolores Claiborne, Gerald's Game, things like that. I I kind of tuned out all through there. Yeah. yeah, and then um, what was it? Rose Matter. Yeah, I came back with Rose Matter, Insomnia, a couple of others right there that were pretty good. Yeah and don't even mention the fucking gunslinger nope i it,
2: i i can't
1: i can't in good conscience like a book series where halfway through the series the author is hit by a car and then adds that to the story he's writing yes Who does that? A a madman does that. A crazy person does that. That is insanity, is what that is.
0: That's crazy talk. And then, oh wait, you mean, so this series that I've been following for like, I don't know, 20, 30 fucking years? Yep. And the first book I read, The Gunslinger, That that's actually no longer valid because you rewrote it and re-fucking-released it and it's really not quite the same story anymore? Really?
2: Yeah.
1: The Steve- Stephen King did for the literary world what uh, George Lucas did for the cinematic world where, hey, I wrote this book and now it's, what, like 10, 15 years later? I'm going to fucking redo it. Yeah. Special effects. Yeah. New scenes. Take some things out, put some things in.
0: Here you go. Here's the book uh, version 2.0. The problem here with Stephen King is that Stephen King is a genius writer. And a genius writer can hold your interest even when you're pretty much reading shit yeah I I would just like him to prove that a little less yeah you know
2: yeah hey uh I
1: this week's movie is a big movie um why the fuck was it dedicated to one of the Ramones? And and and
0: and and was it the song actually movie, so, cause like a that I just didn't listen to or something? I mean, I I didn't actually look it up. I mean, but it would be around when Johnny died. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, because at the same time, like, it could be a stuntman, like, Johnny Ramon, or was it Joey? I think it was Johnny, right? I don't know. That it was dedicated to. I don't know. I thought it was Joey Ramone. Well, it could be. It was, you know, they're, they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Uh... But it's it's not like a terribly uncommon name so it could have been a stuntman okay. it could have been
1: there you go okay I I saw I
0: found it on IMDb This film is dedicated
1: to late musician Johnny Ramone who introduced Nicholas Cage to Robin Hardy's original film The Wicker Man from
0: 1973 <laughs> Okay so that's an admission that Nicholas Cage saw and is aware of the original Wicker Man yeah, and still did this. Yeah, yeah, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Other than that, I really don't have a hell of a lot to say. I really, uh, I'm, I'm putting a lot of projects on a shelf for a little while, and the rest of them I'm gonna poke at with a short stick from time to time. Cause like, I wound up just putting way too pre too much pressure on myself, and I felt myself just kind of freaking out again you know so i want to get the website done and like that's it for right the second Mm -hmm. dabney can wait other things can wait you know and i'll poke at the website with a short stick so that, that we don't have to worry about so much of this bullshit you know like like I would like to I would like to have our show live under the actual copyright laws of the country. That yeah. would be cool. Okay. That would be nice. However, where I can use a trailer for the film Nobody because it's a promotional material. Yeah. Where I can use other things And we barely, barely use anything from any, you know? If anything, it's something that, that I got off of somebody else, like Tim or Liz or something like that. Or it's the trailer. Yeah. But who fucking needs this? You know, I mean, who needs to be worried about their... We can't even really bother actually looking at what the problem may be to decide if it's an actual problem or not we're just going to let the algorithm say no yeah yeah
1: it's not even a person looking through these things it's just a it's a bot
0: and then it's Some... on then it's on you to fight it well yeah. i haven't i haven't fought any of them that's why my channel is completely the channel we're going out on right now is completely and totally non Non demonetized, yeah, which is what which is what YouTube did. Well, okay, you know, no problem. Uh,
2: uh, I was Bella never was using shocked.
0: YouTube to try to fucking make money anyway, man. You know?
1: Bella so I was shocked yesterday. To
0: throw up my stuff, huh?
1: Bella was shocked yesterday when I told them how many views our episode on Kill Bill one and two has gotten.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's over a million. I, I don't know how, how many exactly. Yeah. But it's not
1: because people are big fans of the podcast. It's because, uh, they think it's an actual Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: Well, they, they, they, they because they start, but I, I, I, I love that fucking thing. I love that fucking thing. Uh, you know, if the YouTube channel got deleted, it would be it would be the Kill Bill thread that I miss the most because these are a pack of fucking morons who think it's yeah. the actual movie, and instead of actually, first off, instead of hey, I clicked on the wrong link, and move on. No, we're gonna blame. To, they need yeah. to stop and comment, yeah. and then that comment helps the algorithm. <sighs> yeah. And then once one person comments, then a bunch of people comment. And I start getting comments in Hindi and I start getting comments in Japanese and I, all over the world, all over the world, the kill bill episode posted on YouTube, search for it. Over a million views built on hate, hate, and rage <laughs> are the key ingredients to the success of that video.
1: Yeah, so we should start saying the Pope on Film podcast. Over a million viewers on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, notice we're saying viewers and not fans. No. No. Over a million viewers on YouTube have listened.
0: <laughs> but <because> that. <laughs> Out of that couple of million, we got a good, decent amount of likes as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot more dislikes than likes, but hey,
1: we still got likes.
0: But but but you know, and sometimes I go back at them. I went back at them for for quite a bit at first because it was fun. <laughs> Funny, and it was just cranking up the views. Yeah. Um, but uh. But now it's only occasionally that I go up, but it's like the two questions are, are one. What the fuck made you think that this was the, this was the actual movie? Yeah. Okay. It says it nowhere. It's a podcast. What are we reviewing? We're reviewing Kill Bill 1 and 2. We're not allowed to use that title. The title and it makes perfect sense. Again, yeah. nowhere on there does it say it's the it's the full movie or that it's the movie at all. Yeah. Teapuff <clears throat> number 59, I think it is. That didn't set off some kind of a question in your mind about what that might be?
1: Yeah. No. Everyone just thinks that it's the
0: full movie. It's hilarious. And and what's even fucking funnier, though, dude, is that I, I posted well over a hundred of those videos. Yeah. That's the only one anybody minds. Yeah. They're all don't exactly the same. T pop number and the name of the movie we're covering. Yeah, and mostly because it was uh because how YouTube used to be, I don't, I don't I don't see this feature anymore. But you can send an upload directly to a particular playlist. Yeah, so that's the name of one of the playlists. So you have that as a tag. At the front and it automatically goes into the playlist that's yeah. how it used to be but yes over over a million over a million views that hate built yeah, yeah it's wonderful. But the, but the second thing is like okay so you clicked the link and the, and the, the, full, the full movie wasn't there maybe I don't know this is a trivial thing get on with your fucking life? (laughs) Nope, not on YouTube. You know, like, should I stop and bitch every time I'm searching for something on the internet, and the first couple of things I click on have nothing to do with it? Should I stop and bitch at those people? Absolutely. Because because their site did not turn out to be what I was searching for? (laughs) Oh, It it almost makes me weep for the nation, the, the Kill Bill thread. Yeah, it's great. And so I want to get the website done, man, because I am really, really, really excited about the whole roadshow idea. Yeah, it's a cute idea. There is so much we c- like. like, this is this will be absolutely the best bang for the advertising buck, you know? Yeah. And it'll just be, like, a lot of fun. I think we really need to sit down and think about, like, what we want to do with this. Like, I want, like, every segment to at least have some mention of Kent, Ohio in one way or the other. Yeah. Even if we just say Kent, Ohio. Yeah. But, God, you know, can we grab a local restaurant and go through their Yelp reviews? You know? That's a great idea. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want to intentionally diss a city unless they really deserve it, you know? Yeah. And then we just won't go back. I want to go to the cities randomly somehow maybe off of twitter maybe off of your twitter feed cuz you you get more responses off of people yeah uh have them make suggestions and something something like that and then do a poll and we go to one of them and you know if it's a, if it's a decent city we'll treat them decently but we'll also have fun reading Yelp reviews and you know what's the underground scene I mean a lot of it we could probably just grab off the Chamber of Commerce's website as PDF files for research. Yeah. You know? Can we find a wacky person in town and talk to them? Yeah, where's Where's, However,
1: where's the gay scene in Mobile, Alabama?
0: Exactly. Yeah. The
1: red light district of Kent, Ohio.
0: Yeah. So, like, I I don't want to necessarily insult the city. Well, l- let me not even... I don't want to insult the city. Okay? But we still have to have fun with it, and we still have to have, like, our kind of fun and the things that we think are funny.
1: We won't insult the city. We'll just crack wise on the city. <laughs> yeah. We'll just crack mad wise.
0: Yeah. But if we wind up rolling into a city. And then and then just for like more technical reasons, like each year I want to start at Kent and then whatever the sixth city, the sixth month, yep. halfway point in the year, whatever city that one is. I want to hit at least those two every year. Nice. Okay. Because theoretically, as you become more familiar, you should... more people should show up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, this is... I, I remember seeing this from last year. I maybe should check it out this year. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, but They'll think about it every year. At least. Yeah. yeah. And then all the other cities, they would be kind of up for grabs. I guess it would be how how well did we seem to do in each city if we go back or not. But yeah. I'm really excited about that idea, but i got to get the website fucking done. Yeah. And, like, done enough. You know, if I get one page up, doing what I wanted to do which is stream our shit and have a place to chat I'll call that good nice you know but and what really pisses me off about it is Mm. I've done this before I've written a website like this before but it was a long time ago and all the fucking technology has changed now yeah yeah Windows used to have a built-in streaming media server. Nice. And and I I would put everything in there, it would play like a playlist, and I was able to stream that out. Well, that technology's gone. Yeah. So now I got to figure it out all again. I can get That's a single, I can get a single video to play. Yeah, But it needs to be a playlist, and then it needs to be a playlist that I can interrupt with the OBS stream. Yeah. So we could send this stream over there. And then the only ones who can cut our feed is like Comcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But... That's about all I got for now, although I I think with the shap coming up, I think I might need to play break one again. Okay. Briefly. That's fine.
1: That's fine. That's fine. I'm so excited for this week's Shep. It's a long one, so so it might be a a good time to just go potty now.
0: Well, we're not quite done here, but we're definitely wrapping up. I'm wrapped up with my shit, but how have you been this week? Besides, excited about the chap?
1: Uh good, good, good. I mean, uh, uh, not much to report. I'm going back to the movies, which is exciting. Yeah, my family and I did a bizarre road trip yesterday to yes. a grave. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it, my relationship with my wife is pretty good right now. We are we are very close together. Spending a lot of time together, yeah. and uh, yeah, so things are things are good on my end. How are you, Bunny?
0: Uh, I'm okay. That's that's how I've been. You know, I've, it's just the annoyance of having to sign on Facebook again, and Facebook lied on me, lied to me, which I find yeah, really okay. suspicious. Yeah. So Facebook tells me that somebody changed my email, my Facebook password, and made it a secured site or something like that. That's what they told me. But apparently, from what you showed me, they told you they deleted me for being abusive.
2: Abusive, yeah.
0: Now, I am sure that if you got that, anybody else that I have chatted to in, in Facebook, in Facebook messenger, they probably could see it too. Probably. Yeah. And it's like they they they see, and they were just like, well, if you, if we could have your ID, we'll just get this taken, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Like this, they're like stringing me. To get my fucking license. Yeah. You know? They're not telling... I mean, they could have easily say, we've kicked you off of Facebook. Tough fucking shit. Yeah. You know? That's not what they're doing here. No. So then they want... So then they... Then I... They get my license... And they still say, no, like, you know, uh, maybe if I send it again, I don't know, like it's rejected, but there's no reason why. So maybe it still wasn't clear enough of a shot or something. And frankly, at this point, who fucking cares anymore? Yeah. But then I, then I was like, well, I still have the Pope on film accounts, which I actually set up in Thunderbird so I can watch it easier. Because we might yep. start using that shit again. Yeah. Uh, so I used the, fo- the Pope on Films email account to create... Now, now here is something else that's fucked up for some reason. What? Because... I know other people who have gotten kicked off of Facebook before and they had to come back with a dummy account or a different account or a new account and generally they flip their names. Like now we have Nobles Bruce. You know? yeah. And I have my friend uh, Bailey Rachel. <laughs> you know? Mr. Lobo was on
1: facebook as mr lobo but then they said no this is a nickname we need your full name you have to be eric lobo which is his name but he was upset about that because he went by mr lobo so we shut down that account and came back as alan smithy yes so now he's alan smithy
0: so I tried to do the same thing because it sounded really logical to me. So I will now be William Bunny. Yeah. And all of my friends will know who I am anyway, and they'll know what the story is. So it's not going to be that big a fucking deal. It would, yeah. Facebook would not accept William Bunny as a legitimate name. And I'm like,
2: why?
1: I bet you we
0: can Google a billion William fucking bunnies. Well,
1: at least a million. Should have gone by Bunford Williams, your God-given Christian name.
0: Yeah, yeah. If I would have thought of it, that would have been awesome. Bunford. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Man, imagine explaining that. Like, why Bunford? Uh, Yeah. Well, my name is actually Steve Williams, but I go by Bunny. And at, at, when I'm going as Bunny, I have a nickname and it's Bunford. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot
1: of sense. Come here, cat. Say hi to the podcast, cat.
0: Meow. Okay. i starting Come. to need to get into like flowchart territory with that. Well, anyway, I'm back on Facebook, but fuck them anyway. So yeah. Uh, so let's on un- get on. Get on to the SHAP. Yes. After a very brief intermission. Yes. Uh, so quick, you probably don't want to leave your computers, but you don't want to hear it anyway. Yeah. So until next week, this is Bunny Williams saying self-adhesive tape. Yes, please. So until next week, this has been Bunny Versus, and we'll
1: everybody, it's me, Mr. Steve. Well, it's Thursday. How's your Thursday doing? It's totally Thursday, and not Saturday after my Raising Little Leader story time, and I'm going through a story time marathon to make my week easier. Look, I'm in a different outfit. Anyway, today's video is a strange one. If you are familiar with this channel, you know I make a lot of references to pop culture, and I use a lot of little clips here and there. And so this is a short compilation of some of my favorite clips that I use during story time videos. Some of them you may have seen before in other videos. Some of them you may have seen a bunch of times in other videos. But it's a fun little video that you'd enjoy.
3: Woo! I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help.
0: Life. Uh. Finds a way. Imagination!
4: Bump, bump, bump. Got any grapes? Not funny!
0: And we're back! With more of the Pope on film. Funny!
1: Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? In this day and age, t is sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans who have been with us since day one, would know two facts about us. Two undeniably real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest will-they-or-won't-they couple bunny and steve first and foremost bunny is the undeniable fact that when you're not doing this podcast you bunny are the ceo of a brand new company that's doing very well right now so tell us bunny about your very successful company
0: uh we have quickly become the national leader Basically, we saw a need that wasn't filled. So becoming yeah. a national leader was more for lack of competition, but we are the national leaders in turtle polishing. Nice. Turtle polishing and manicure. Uh, an We're business. Old... Huh? It's an upstart business. It's an upstart business, and it has taken off. Everybody... Yeah. Everybody uh, is is behind the philosophy of the company, and they understand that uh, we are there to make turtles as attractive as possible. Um, as as basically, you, you know, like offerings offerings to Poseidon, yeah. basically, you know, because. I'm begging every god in sight that we don't all die. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So, so polishing a couple of turtles, sending them off to to, to Poseidon. Um, people see the need. People see yeah. the need, and again, they get behind the philosophy of the company, um, which is basically if we're not going to do anything to save them they might as well look good going out which is our overall philosophy for for everybody you know so you know get your hair done we we specialize okay we specialize in turtles but there are franchise opportunities for other animals and humans are animals You know we we should all look if nobody's gonna save us and we're all gonna die. Yeah, we should all look good on the way out.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. Your business is going places.
0: Yes. Going up up up. Yes. And the second But again, but again, we specialize in turtles. Yes. Okay, for us, it's all about the turtles and it's not a joke no
1: seriously people it's not a joke like the snuggie this is not like the snuggie
2: yeah Mm
0: -hmm. i
1: think you should leave reference it's a wonderful show on netflix starring tim robinson everyone should be watching it i'm obsessed
0: really what's it called
1: I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. The episodes are only 15 minutes long. Season one is on Netflix right now. Season two is about to come out. And uh, I have become obsessed with this show and I quote it all of the time.
0: You, I am obsessed. You are taking the helm on this, aren't you?
2: Yes. Okay, yes. I just realized I, I got
0: to put my mouse all over there because I just realized that I just keep, I just have a habit of fidgeting with it. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah, no, I've got it.
0: I've got it. uh, Yeah,
1: I'll be I'll be taking control of this. Yeah. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a big fan of this podcast. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what we do at this part of the podcast is I get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know that well. And I reword it a little bit Uh, via my own unique storytelling style, and that is what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of... STEVE'S HISTORIC APPROXIMATIONS! Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not, personally... I like the name Shap. it's short, but it's quite endearing. It's the Warwick Davis of podcast segment. Yes, it is. Anywho, this week on the Old Shapity Shap Shap, we will be talking about one of the most incredible stories we have ever done on this Shap. It's the true story of an old-timey Wild West train robber from the late 1800s, who died in the early 1900s, who somehow inexplicably also worked with director Dwayne Esper, B-movie filmmaker and producer David F. Freeman, and most notoriously, TV's Lee Majors, before (laughs) his career officially ended in 1977. And you might ask yourself, wait a second, How does an old-timey bank robber born in 1880 find himself on the set of The Million Dollar Man? Wow! It is one of the most unbelievable stories that we have ever shapped on shap, and I couldn't be more excited. I have become obsessed with this story. I saw a lecture about this story, I saw two documentaries about this story, read a full-sized non-fiction book about the life of this person, and even traveled to the grave. This chap has consumed me. And words cannot express how excited I am to do this. A lot of the stories that you will find online about this person starts at the end and then backtracks to the beginning and then tells you the story of how you got to the beginning. So a lot of stories about this person start on the set of TV's The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. But my telling of the story will not start on the set of The Six Million Dollar Man. We're starting at the beginning. And when we come to the end, we'll stop. (laughs) The man in question was named Elmer J. McCurdy. Elmer J. McCurdy was both the worst wild west bandit ever and also the bandit with the longest most successful career i clicked it okay so okay okay good i've never done this before it's exciting elmer mccurdy was born in maine in the year 1880 And his mom was an unmarried 17-year-old girl who didn't know who the father was, but it may have been uh, her cousin Charles who was the father, but anyway. Elmer had a really hard life, a rough childhood. All of his family members died. the way that the way that it happened was, okay, so Elmer was born to a seventeen year old girl who didn't know who the father was, but it, it, the father might have been her own cousin who raped her. and it was a big scandal. So what she decided was, hey, i've got uh, I've got a sister. Uh, and she's married, and she has a good family, so uh, the mother gave birth to Elmer, and then immediately gave Elmer to her sister, and they raised Elmer up as if Elmer was their own, until eventually Elmer, the child, got to an age where it's like, hi, it's me, your fun aunt. Um, Fun fact, I'm your mom. Yeah and your mom and dad are actually your aunt and uncle but it's okay i'm here now and i'm going to take care of you and everything's going to be fine oh wait it's still wild west time i'm dead now okay and then it's like okay well mother and father who are not my real mother and father you can take care of me. I'm very sad that my mother is dead, but you are going to take care of me now. And my fake father's dead and my fake mom is dead. And now I'm all alone. The Wild West time sucks. So by the time Elmer McCurdy was a teen, uh, he was drinking heavily. His family members have all died in various ways. And, and uh, this is important. All of his family members are dead. Put a pin on that. Shap is single-handedly saving the pin industry with all of the pins that we uh, put on things. But uh, eventually, uh, Elmer McCurdy is traveling across America working odd jobs uh, that he would never hold on to because of his alcoholism. He's traveling all across America. And and, uh, when you think about that, when you think about Elmer McCurdy, Uh, Hitching a ride on a train and traveling to some town he's never heard of and finding an odd job and staying there for maybe three months, six months, and then getting fired and hopping the rails to another place. You might think of all these hobos with bindles riding the rails, but at the time... Uh, jobs are becoming modernized and everything's becoming automated and a lot of people are out of work. And apparently during this period in time, a lot of what you would call hobos were highly educated, sometimes college educated people that just couldn't find a job and have no money and have no home. So they're just hopping a train, going somewhere else, hoping they can start another life. Yeah. So it's interesting to to think of all of these hobos riding the rails in like 1903, 1905, and they're all the most educated people you can think of. Yeah. And they're just looking for a job. I find that interesting. He's shoveling coal in a mine. He's He's working all over the place, doing all these odd jobs. Then eventually he's had enough of it. So in 1907, Elmer McCurdy joins the army. He stays there for three years until he is dishonor- hes honorably discharged in 1910. But while he's in the army, he gets a rudimentary training in using nitroglycerin for demolition purposes. Another important thing—I hope you have multiple pins. <laughs> Put a pin on that too. So you have pinned two things. All of his family members are dead, and a a rudimentary training in using nitroglycerin. So it's 1910, he's out of the Army, he's traveling America again by rails, looking for any sort of job, and he runs into an old Army buddy, and now he's in Oklahoma, and uh, he's hanging out with this friend of his from the Army, and it looks like they may have been thinking about a life of crime while they were hanging out, because in November of 1910, Elmer and his friend are arrested with a ton of burglary paraphernalia. They've got lock picking tools, they've got explosive, they've got chisels, they've got hacksaws, and I'm assuming since it's like 1910 that they also had big burlap sacks with dollar signs on them for putting over their shoulder and sneaking. Uh, but our boy Elmer convinces a jury that, uh, oh, yes, well, I know this looks bad, but actually, let me tell you what I was doing with those tools. <laughs> you, you think that they're uh, burglary tools, very funny. I'm actually an inventor. And let me tell you what I'm working on. I am working on a foot-operated machine gun.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: That's why I had all of that burglary paraphernalia. Foot-operated machine gun. It's really going to change the world. And apparently a jury said, good enough for me. Set him free. So Elmer is freed and decides, well, that's it. I'm starting a life of crime. With my skills in the art of nitroglycerin, I will become an unstoppable criminal mastermind, nay, a criminal juggernaut. Well, Elmer McCurdy was not a successful criminal. Uh, He gets a crew together, and in March of 1911, he robs a train, okay? He hijacks it at gunpoint. And he's like, okay, put them up. Stick them up. Put your hands in the air. You're being robbed by the new gang in town because they heard that a train would be traveling by with a safe containing $4,000 in cash. And it's 1911, so who knows how much that is, a lot. So Elmer stops the train, he finds the safe, and basically Elmer's like, okay. So we found the safe. Inside of this, $4,000 will be rich. With my amazing nitroglycerin skills that I learned from professionals in the army, I will easily open the safe. And we will be rich. So the nitroglycerin didn't go off. And Elmer and his crew are forced to make off with $150 in coins that just happened to be outside of the (laughs) safe. Great! Great job, Elmer! You really are just the best criminal out there.
2: Yeah. So... uh,
1: Good job. You robbed a train at gunpoint. You became a wanted man. All for $150. In change. (laughs) Not a successful criminal. Then in another train robbery, he hears of another safe with thousands of dollars in it. And he's like, don't worry, boys. With my nitroglycerin expertise, which I learned in the army, from demolition experts. I'll blow this safe wide open. This time, he didn't make the same mistake as last time. Uh, The nitroglycerin did go off.
7: He did
1: end up using a bit too much nitroglycerin. The entire safe exploded, and with it, all of the money inside.
0: Yes.
1: His crew left that time with $400 in change. Wow! Elmer McCurdy! The Quarter Bandit. Yes. That's what a successful career of crime. Uh, Our boy is not the next Billy the Kid. Not by a long shot. You might be wondering how this putz in 1911 ends up on the set of the 1967 B-movie film She Freak.
7: We'll get to that.
1: Okay. We will get to that. Or the television show, The Six Million Dollar Man. We will get there. Okay, Hounding me. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Elmer McCurdy's life is about to take an unexpected turn. We're almost there. So it's October 4th, 1911. Elmer McCurdy is still in Oklahoma with his crew, which will come into play at the end. So again, put a pin on that. Put a pin on that. So, Elmer McCurdy and his boys hear of yet another train. This one, he's pretty sure is going to be his Lufthansa heist. Okay. Because they heard of a train making, transporting a royalty payment to the Osage Nation to the tune of $400,000. In 1912? That was a lot back then. Shit! $400,000 in 1911? Goddamn! So Elmer and his crew decide to rob the train. So, okay, boys, let's get our guns. I've got my nitroglycerin, which has worked so well up until now. This is gonna be great. So, they go and rob the train. Wow! they rob a train. Okay. It's the wrong train. They accidentally rob a regular old passenger train. And instead of uh, $400,000, oh, I looked this up. Adjusted for inflation, that would have been an $11 million. So Elmer and his crew walk away
2: with a jacket, the
1: train conductor's watch, two big-ass jugs of whiskey, and $46. And that's it. Okay. A newspaper conductor would call it the smallest robbery in the history of trains. Oh, man. So, Elmer... Elmer is a success, and he's definitely made the papers. Everyone's looking for the small-time bandit who only got away. <laughs> to watch a jacket, some whiskey, and forty-six bucks. Good job! You've made every paper from from from uh, from C to signing C because you're so freaking bad at this.
0: And then the papers- I, I, I would really have expected him to to do better. No, no. Second no. time around, he was horrible. We yeah, haven't even gotten to the. He's gotten
1: worse. We even gotten to the good part yet? He was the worst. Okay, so Elmer is hiding out in the barn of a friend's ranch in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and he's like, "Man, they know who I am. Someone, someone knows who I am. Dang it! What am I gonna do? I'm gonna hide out in this barn. They'll never find me here. I'm just gonna wait here until the heat dies down. Well." What am I going to do while I'm waiting here? Fuck it. I got all this whiskey. I'm going to start drinking like a motherfucker. So he's drinking like crazy in in a barn in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And the next morning, he learns the hard way that there's a $2,000 bounty on his head because early the next day, he wakes up still drunk to gunshots from a massive posse. A four-hour-long gunfight ensues, and afterwards, on October seventh, nineteen eleven, Elmer McCurdy was shot dead. America's absolute worst train robber, a comically inept train robber, the best worst train robber of all, the Tommy Wee So of train robbers,
7: yeah.
1: <laughs> is shot dead. He is absolutely. One definitely, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% dead. And here's where the story gets good. Okay. No way done with this, because Elmer McCurdy's life doesn't just end because he's dead. Okay, so this is where the story gets good. I'm super excited. Now comes the good stuff. It's 1911. Elmer McCurdy is shot dead. What are we going to do? We got to take him to the Undertaker. So back then you had Undertakers. And what would happen was, oh, look, somebody is dead. We're just going to pick up the body, take it to the Undertaker. And the Undertaker would roll his eyes, say rest in peace, and then go fight his brother Kane. I think this joke is super fucking cute. (laughs) I think it's adorable. Okay. So the undertaker has the body, and what they would do is, okay, I'm going to keep you, I'm assuming, uh, here in a pile until the family arrives. I'm not going to do a funeral for you until I get paid. So I'm just going to hold the body here and keep it here until a family member shows up, claims the body, then I
0: bury you, do the funeral, and then the family pays me. So, um, well, well, well, well, well, well, well, you are going to want to do some minor things here. Like, it's not going to hurt to put them in a box, you know, yeah. Yeah. because you're still you're still trying to sell you services. Yeah. So if you if you have them like set up like, OK, all we have to do is makeup and things like that. You know, what religion are you? That kind yeah. of stuff. You know, it's easier to sell your product that way. I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying. Back then, back then, you'd say, so
1: one religion was the deceased. Just kidding. There's one religion in the Wild West. Scientology. (laughs) Scientology. So the problem here is the undertaker, a man named Joe Johnson, is holding Elmer McCurdy's body, waiting for family to show up. Hey, it's time to unpin that thing I had you pin, because Elmer McCurdy's family and relatives are all dead. No one comes to claim the body of Elmer McCurdy. So as undertakers would sometimes do, undertaker Joe Johnson embalms the body, Embalms it with uh back then they used an arsenic based type of embalming fluid that they don't use anymore, but back then it would do a really good job of preserving the body for a
0: very very long time.
1: <laughs> then I Joe wonder, Johnson
0: Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I really gotta wonder, because that's that's interesting as hell. So like is it possible that undertakers of that time would, would go nuts, quite possibly, like but... like hatters, like the chemicals that hatters yeah. used, yeah. Therefore, the mad hatter that was a common kind of a thing. You just came up with the plot for
1: America's first wild west slasher film. <laughs> it's an 80s slasher film an 1880s slasher film Yeah. set in the wild west the undertaker's using chemicals to preserve the bodies that makes him go insane and he starts slashing people but it's also set in the wild west I can see this whole movie <laughs> I'm going to focus on it because Elmer McCurdy's life has just started so uh as would happen like okay so this person in the wild west is dead but also it's the wild west it takes a long time for news to travel from for a relative to hear about a death and to come over who knows how long i'm going to keep this body and bodies are gross so i embalm it so that it stays in perfect condition for six months eight months three months a year until family comes and claims him so joe johnson preserves the body using an arsenic based type of embalming fluid shaves him gives him a haircut and stores the body in the back room with all the other dead dead beats but uh, a week passes a month passes two months passes and a lot of people are starting to ask like oh hello local undertaker oh joe johnson hey joe johnson how are you doing Good. Uh, You got any uh, funerals planned today? Hey, hey, hey, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Um, Do you, I, I heard from someone who heard from someone, do you have Elmer McCurdy here? <laughs> In the basement, that dumbass who died stealing 46 bucks. Can we go see him? Can we, I want to look at the body. Can we look at the body? I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two bits. I'll pay for a drink at the saloon. Anything. Just let me let me see the body. So many people ask to see the body of Elmer McCurdy that Joe Johnson, the undertaker, is like, I don't know if anyone's going to come claim this idiotic, dumbass train robber. And I got to make my money some way. So Joe Johnson goes into business. Hello. Okay. Oh. Oh, no, serious. Hello. I am Joe Johnson the 1900s undertaker of Pawhuska, Oklahoma. Here at Joe Johnson's Undertaker Services, we offer sincere, heartfelt funeral services to help you say goodbye to your dearly departed loved one. And for just one nickel, you can visit the corpse of Elmer McCurdy, the embalmed bandit that just refused to give up. The Oklahoma outlaw, the mystery man of many aliases. You're gonna love this. And it, you <laughs> look, look at what I did. Look, this will be fun. I thought this would be fun. Just for a laugh, a bit of gallows humor. You pay by putting your nickel in the corpse's mouth. You see what I did? Yeah. I opened up. just put the coin right in there. It's going to be a bunch of fun. Yeah, come on down, bring the kids. So Elmer McCurdy becomes a very popular tourist attraction in Oklahoma. And the story goes, as the story goes, uh, this is less the history of Elmer McCurdy and more uh, Ripley's believe it or Not's story of Elmer McCurdy, but as goes apparently joe johnson had kids one day they're bored and uh so they steal the corpse dress it up here's a bonnet here's a boa they put roller skates on elmer's corpse and pushed him around the house all weekend at bernie's like
0: okay
1: Elmer mccurdy's having fun with kids Riding roller skates? He's a tourist attraction. He's already more successful in debt than he was at life. So <laughs> Elmer McCurdy has become a super, super popular moneymaker for Joe Johnson. For five years, people from all over the country come to see the body of Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy is so popular that a bunch of people start visiting. Hi, how you doing? I'm a yeah. carny. I heard about your uh, your business you got going here. It's a pretty sweet record. How much are you uh, willing to sell the body for? I think uh, I've got a traveling carnival. I could really use the Oklahoma outlaw. And a lot of circus folk, carny, shifty people are coming to see The Undertaker offering a ton of money to buy the corpse of Elmer McCurdy. But The Undertaker was having none of it. And he was all like, look, I certainly am making a surprising amount of money with this uh, corpse, but I cannot sell you the corpse because at my heart, I am still an undertaker, good sir. And I will continue to keep this corpse until a family member comes to claim it. So in 1916, two men who claimed to be Elmer McCurdy's brothers show up. Hello. Yes, we are Elmer McCurdy's. Long lost brothers. I am Barb and this is Star. Whatever. I'm Rosenkrantz and this is Gildenstern. Stern. Yes. We're long lost brothers of Elmer McCurdy. What's our names? Who gives a shit? I'm Ed. This is Bella. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter at this point. I'm Starsky. This is Hutch. It, it, Starsky and Hutch McCurdy, we've come to claim the body. We're finally here to give our b- brother a proper we're we're taking the body we're going to take it to Maine where he was born and we're going to give him a proper burial on the family's plot and apparently Joe Johnson the undertaker said fucking good enough here's your corpse and gives these two guys Elmer McCurdy's corpse Bunny, you're not going to believe this mind blown hold on to your hat hold on to your hold on to your top hat my friend they weren't related to Elmer McCurdy. I know what you're thinking, you're like, what? But yeah, they were in fact two conniving carnies and just like that, Elmer McCurdy becomes a fixture of the traveling carnival circuit. First appearing as the main attraction of a carnival in West Texas before literally traveling all throughout the continental United States, billed as the legendary outlaw who would never be captured alive. McCurdy was the king of the traveling carnival circuit throughout the rest of the 1910s and throughout 1920 until 1922 when he was purchased by the Museum of Crime. And how amazing is this that Elmer McCurdy, one of the most failed Wild West bandits of all time, is now at the Museum of Crime on his own display right next to Billy the Frickin' Kid. How incredible is that? That here's Billy the Kid and here's Elmer McCurdy. It's like, hello and welcome to the Museum of the Academy Awards. Here we salute all of the greatest directors. Here is a look at the life of Kurosawa. Here is the director of Birdemic. All directors are great. So yeah, isn't it amazing? He's much more successful in death than in life. Yes. And the Museum of History carried on the tradition. Cat, stop it! Stop it! Stop! What are you doing? Stop moving the camera!
2: Stop it! Oh my
1: goodness! Stop! Please, this is hilarious, but only to me, not to the fans. Thank you. Um, so the Museum of of uh, Death. The Museum of Crime, sorry, the Museum of Crime carried the Joe Johnson tradition. And it's like, hey, we've propped Elmer McCurdy's mouth open. Feel free to put some coins in. It's like a really macabre fountain. Yes, yeah. You need to throw change into the corpse's mouth, kids. And uh, that's also important to put a pin on that. Elmer McCurdy had an incredible life after death. In 1928, there was a trans-American foot race. It was a literal foot race. It started in LA and ended in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Basically, it was a Forrest Gump race. And the people behind the race had a traveling sideshow to accompany the race. And who was the star of the sideshow? Elmer McCurdy. How incredible is this man's life? I am blown away by all of this. So then, after the race, A a director, a movie director, says, hey, that's uh, that's a pretty nice corpse you got there. Maybe I could use that. So after the race, a filmmaker purchases the corpse. One Mr. Dwayne Esper, the director of such B-movie grindhouse films as Narcotic, Maniac, Sex Madness... Marijuana, the weed with roots in hell, and a short entitled "How to Undress in Front of Your Husband," which we discussed
0: years ago. Yes, years ago. Yes, yes. It was a, it was a, it was a homework, wasn't
7: it? Yeah. Uh,
1: Dwayne Esper was one of those early grindhouse people, where it's like, first we're gonna graphically show a woman give birth. But then she smokes a little bit of marijuana, then she goes insane, then she takes all of her clothes off, and then her friends start taking all of their clothes off. So they're making out naked, and then the woman goes down on the other woman, and the the Hollywood people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, it's 1931, you can't show any of this, what what the fuck are you thinking? And then Dwayne says, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, I've got an angle. It's an educational film. Yes. And Hollywood says, good enough for us. This is pre-Hays Code. So how wide are we going to spread the vagina open? (laughs) So that was basically Dwayne Esper. So Dwayne Esper just filmed the 1933 movie Narcotic, which you see above us. And as was the style of the time. Uh, narcotic was a traveling road show kind of thing. So uh, there's only one copy of the movie. Dwayne Evers is traveling from city to city, putting on a show, putting a big display in front. Illegal joke traffic exposed. Come and see this movie for two weeks only. Played for five weeks in Poughkeepsie. So he's traveling with this movie. Uh, and what he did was in the lobby, he displayed. The corpse of Elmer McCurdy in the lobby of every theater that played this movie on the way to the theater would be the corpse of of, uh, Elmer McCurdy. He died in 1911. It's 1933. And he's (laughs) in the lobby of theater showing narcotic. And Dwayne Esper came up with an all-new backstory for our boy Elmer. And the sign that would accompany the corpse read, Oh! Here is the body of a, give me a second, oh, a dead dope fiend who robbed a drugstore to support his habit. And people all across America uh, are now seeing uh, Elmer McCurdy's body in movie theaters. But here's the thing. Uh, Elmer McCurdy died in 1911. It's 1933 now. The body is starting to get wrinkly. The body is starting to get a bit rubbery, a bit powdery. His face is all wrinkled and old. The hands are a little bit uh, shriveled. And people are like, why the... Okay, so this is the body of a dead dolphin. You've got a body of a dead dolphin here. Number one, this body looks fake. Number two, uh, what the hell is up with his face? What's up with his face? But... (laughs) Dwayne Esper, being a first-class liar, said, well, yes, of course, the face looks wrinkly, uh, almost mummified, and uh, of course, that is because, give me a second, uh, that's what opium and weed does to your body, ladies and gentlemen, so don't do drugs and stay in school. And people believed him. And so... uh, now, uh, the body of Elmer McCurdy is the body of a dead dope fiend. So throughout the 1930s and the 40s, the body goes here, the body goes there, and Elmer McCurdy is still making money and different people buy the body. And slowly but surely throughout time, the story of Elmer McCurdy gets forgotten because, oh, this person comes up with a new story. This person comes up with a new story. This person comes up with a new story. By the time Dwayne Esper sells the body of Elmer McCurdy, he doesn't know who Elmer McCurdy is. Oh, this is our dead dope fiend. I'm done with him. I'm not doing that movie now. I'm going to start doing how to undress in front of your husband movies. You yeah. can take them. done with it. So now this person says, oh, I've got the body of a dope fiend. Okay, what can we do with that? And so the story keeps getting lost. By 1949, the body has seen better days. Uh, Once, at one point in time, while the body was being transferred from owner to owner, apparently a businessman, as a joke, removed Elmer's arm and chased their secretary with it around the office. Okay. Then later, uh, part of an ear falls off. Then the hair slowly starts falling out over time and then it starts shrinking as everybody does, as as corpses do. In 1949, the body goes into storage and stays there until 1964. Uh, So excited about this. Okay. So the current owner of Elmer McCurdy has a son. Okay, Dan and Dan wants to get into Hollywood. So the current owner of Elmer McCurdy's son uh lends the corpse. Is so so so the current the current owner of Elmer McCurdy has a son, the son wants to get into the Hollywood scene. So he's like, Hey, uh, I'm going to a Hollywood party. Hey, how are you? How are you? Oh, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, my name is Dan. I want to get into the movies. Uh, Hey, oh, you know, a director, we're going to go to his house. Okay. Hey, what are you? So anyway, this guy, Dan, the son of the current owner of Elmer McCurdy uh, wants to get into the Hollywood business so much that he meets a B movie producer, And they're about to make a a cheapo horror film. Yeah. And the owner of Elmer McCurdy's son says, I've got a a spooky corpse. Do you want it? And and lends Elmer McCurdy to this B-movie producer. The B-movie producer is named David F. Friedman, the producer of such films as Bloodfeast. 2,000 Maniacs, the Acid Eaters, the adult version of Jekyll and Hyde, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, and more. And this is how Elmer McCurdy, who was born in 1880, makes a brief appearance in the
0: 1967 horror movie, (laughs) She-Freak! I don't know if I have heard of this movie. Well, I watched it twice for this freaking podcast. Yeah, I it, looks, it looks right oh, about shit. the same time of a uh, cannibal mutants who were yeah not dead and turned out to be mixed up yeah. zombies.
1: Yeah, a uh, blood feast type of shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, we'll yeah. get we will
1: get to that movie. We will get there. We will get there. That's a part of this too. Yeah. But just wait. so oh, she freak. It's a cheap. 60s, unofficial remake of the classic universal movie Freaks. Except it's all carnies and hardly any freaks at all. But okay. it's set in the world of traveling carnivals and freak shows. It was filmed with a budget of $75,000. And it was shot on location in California. The opening shots are, are of the California State Fair in the 1960s. And then the a rest... popular of- shot. Yeah. And the rest of the film was shot on location at the Kern County Fair in Bakersfield, California. I saw the film twice for this podcast. It's got a real swinging 1960s surf rock soundtrack. You know, all of the 1960s films are just like, just get a young person, make them play the guitar, it'll be fine. Like, I half expected uh, Arch Hall to show up and just be. It's basically, the movie She-Freak is basically a a cheap redneck 1967 ripoff of a 1932 classic with a lot of uh, montages used as fillers. Anywho, I saw the entire movie twice, and I never saw a dead body, so I was starting to doubt the story of Elmer McCurdy being in the movie She-Freak, but I think I figured it out. I think what I I think I figured out why I didn't see the body of Elmer McCurdy in this movie. This is a cheap grindhouse film from 1967. You know how they edit those things? Yeah. You know, we need to give it a new title for this city. In this city, we need to lose this one scene. Hey, i filmed some more. We need to put it in. Hey, we're going to rent it out to these people, but it's going to be as a double feature, so we need to shorten the length. We're going to cut all this scenes out. And so, yeah, back in the day, you know, there are multiple edits of the film and multiple lengths, and I think that the main version of She Freak that's out there right now is just the... Version without a corpse in it. Okay. Because throughout the movie, they keep showing a spook house from afar, but they never go into the spook house. So I'm assuming that there are other versions of this movie where they do go into the spook house. There are a few quick cuts in the film where I think, ah, there was a cut right there. There was probably more. And so I think that that there the yeah. she freak out there right now it just doesn't have elmer mccurdy in it but anyway elmer mccurdy is really going places post post-death and uh next his corpse is sold to a group of canadians who were doing a show at mount, mount rushmore and oh my god okay so this is what these two canadians did it's like oh we sold it we we purchased this corpse in california and now we need to transport it to mount rushmore they tie the corpse to the top of the car like Aunt Edna in National Lampoon's vacation.
2: Oh,
1: nice. So what a goddamn Christmas tree. So, so, yeah, uh, and of course, you know, this is Elmer McCurdy we're talking about. So, of course, they ended up driving through a dangerous windstorm. Yeah. Now Elmer McCurdy is missing some fingers, a few toes, it's getting to be a pretty janky corpse. At one point in time, someone owns the corpse and they're like, okay, we need to prop it up. So we're gonna, it'll be fine. We're just gonna nail it to this. uh, We're just gonna, here, we'll, we'll put this rod through the neck. And once they do that, all of this yellow stinky pus starts coming out of the neck of the corpse. Cause it's still a corpse. You're drilling a hole through it to make it stick to the wall. Like, it's still a corpse, bro. Real gross. It's becoming a janky corpse. So Elmer McCurdy passes from owner to owner throughout America until finally the body ends up at the pike. The pike was a pier in Long Beach, California, right on the pier. It opened in 1902, and it closed in 1979. They had rides. They had an arcade, a tattoo parlor, uh, some bars for drinking, an old wooden roller coaster, and a dark ride. The Laugh in the Dark Funhouse. And Elmer sure. McCurdy is birthday. Per- Owner and they say, "Ah, oh, this is pretty spooky. I guess. Uh, how much you buy it for? I guess that's good. Just uh, uh Oh man, people are gonna think this is a fake corpse when it's a real corpse. Here, just hang it up on the wall. Here, just put a noose on it. We'll just put a noose on this corpse. Hang them up. There you go, and we'll leave it. And so that is where the body stays, hanging by a noose in the dark ride. Oh, people can barely see him, and so they spray paint the body." Orange. Oh. And the body's just hanging there for, from the roof. And uh, that's where he stays. And he stays there for so long that people just sort of forget. This is a fun house at a In Long Island, they don't keep adequate records of, hey, this one thing that looks fake is actually real and it's a corpse and we bought it from this person who bought it from this person. And there are many owners and many managers throughout the years and people just forget about this thing hanging from the wall. Cut to December 1976. And one of the hottest TV shows there is is the six million dollar man starring lee majors yes it's season five of the six million dollar man and they're filming an episode 20 entitled carnival of spies fun fact the episode is available in its entirety on peacock and right now on nbc.com i watched the entire episode for this chap i watched it twice oh my god i (laughs) idea that later in the show Lee Majors had a thin creepo mustache. It's like, oh my god, somewhere out there, John Waters' upper lip is freezing. (laughs) That's the fucking mustache that the $6 million man has in this episode. It's ridiculous. A lot of were filmed at the pike in Long Beach. If you were filming some cheap TV show, some cheap movie, you needed a boardwalk, you needed something well shit. let's go on over to the pike because in it closed in 1979. In the 40s and 50s, it was pretty popular. In the 60s it started to get janky. In the 70s there was hardly anybody there. yeah uh, so a lot of things were filmed there, including a little film. With a short title, you may have heard of it. It's called The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. Okay. It, was filmed, it was filmed at this amusement park, and you can see the Laugh in the Dark amusement park in the the this ride in the film, but Elmer McCurdy does not appear in that film. Oh, but it was filmed where Elmer McCurdy was. So,
0: okay. So Okay, so so basically I, I, I, nobody knows what this thing is anymore. It's basically just a prop, and now it's fucking spray-painted orange. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, so it can't looks look like... It, yeah, it can't look real at all anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: This story is freaking amazing. And on one hand, I think, how come no one has made a movie about this? And on the other hand, oh wait, 75% of the movie would just be starring a dead body. I can kind of see why no one has made this into a movie yet. (laughs) You know, like starring Johnny Depp. You'll love him as he decomposes. Like, okay, I can kind of tell why they haven't made a movie on Elmer McCurdy yet. So, okay. So they're filming season five, episode twenty, entitled The Carnival of Spies in Color. Uh, in this episode, a German scientist slash spy slash generic 1970s bad guy arrives in America for a scientific conference. He disappears and he hides out where? At a traveling carnival. And the TV show decides to film like 70% of the episode at the Pike in Long Beach, California. They're filming a scene where Colonel Steve Austin is chasing a bad guy through the lap in the dark funhouse. So okay, they've got the lights on, they're putting up the, the dolly, they're setting up the camera... They're getting all set up. Okay, let's get the cranes in here for the lights. We're doing the lights and all of this. We gotta get ready and damn it. Okay, what's the problem, Mike? Oh well, we're trying to get these lights up here, but there's a damn mannequin hiding hanging from the ceiling. there's there's a fake there's a fake body in the way i don't know what we're supposed to do and someone says look this mannequin's in the way move the mannequin if you need to move the mannequin move the mannequin okay we can always put it back so a grip or a gopher gets a ladder climbs up the ladder he he he touches the body and he's like it's light it feels like paper mache at yeah. this point point. and he's like oh yeah this is totally fake here let me try and tug it I'm having a hard time moving the body. Let me just grab an arm. Let me just grab an arm. He <laughs> grabs the arm. It comes off. yeah. and he, he looks expecting to see emptiness inside. yeah. uh, what he sees is bone and skin, yeah. And oh, look at that! A yellow, stinky, pussy substance is now dripping, and it's all over me, and holy shit, this isn't a mannequin, it's a dead fucking body. Oh my god. Oh my god, I love this story so much. So so they're talking now, they're talking now, what do we do? A mummified corpse is in the is in the fun house. So they call the police. The police come. The police go up the ladder. They're looking at the body and they go, "Okay, it looks fake from afar. It's painted orange for Pete's sake, but okay. But also, uh, look at this arm. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a body. And uh, the police noted that the skin, if it was paper, it would have just ripped off. But instead, the The the skin look like shredded beef. Okay. So I guess like okay, I'm gonna pull this off and it's gonna come off easily because it's paper mache. Instead, it's like taking a bite of beef jerky. Yes. Because that's how hard the skin has gotten at this point. And so there, in the book that I read about the life of Elmer McCurdy, there's a wonderful part where they're like, okay. Uh, so this body is just hanging here. It looks fake, but this arm looks like it's real. Well, shit. There's just one way to tell the truth. So the cop spreads the legs apart. Okay. And sure enough, okay. That's a penis. (laughs) That's a dead, shriveled mummified fricking dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. We got a real body here, people. Got a real body.
2: But, um,
1: this is true. This is, this is true. Um, so the police are there and the police call the firefighters and the firefighters come. But because this body's been dead a long time, it's not a rush, okay? It's yeah. not a it's not a rush. So the police and the firefighters together say, so we need to call the paramedics, right? Let's okay. fuck with them. Let's fuck with them. Let's fuck with them a little bit. Let's fuck with them. So they call them, and they go, oh, hey, paramedics, uh, this is Mike uh, Johnson uh, over at Precinct 304-24601. Uh, we're going to need you to come to the Pike at the uh, spook house, you know what I'm talking about—the laugh in the dark. Uh, we've got a severe case of de- uh, a severe dehydration. We need you to check out uh, over. The paramedics rush to the scene, and they're they're like, uh, "Who's the who's the dehydrated person?" Oh, uh, right over here, hanging from the ceiling. Oh, wait, this isn't a this is a
5: corpse. Oh, you guys. Oh. <laughs>
1: laugh we have fun here at work this is a blast okay well we have a corpse yeah anyway let's try to identify the body so uh so they take the body down they go to identify the body at this point in time the papers are having a goddamn field day lee majors uncovers a corpse Six million dollar man halts production due to dead body on scene of show. It's all over the freaking papers. People are going nuts over this story. So uh, they go to uh, identify the body. They can't. It's over 65 years old and God knows they didn't keep uh, accurate dental records of inept train robbers from 1880. Yeah. And all the people who worked, who own the spook house, they have no idea. Throughout the decades, people have forgotten who Elmer McCurdy was. And so no one knows who this mystery corpse was. And the media has a field day about reporting it. The L.A. County Coroner's Office is stumped. All they figure out is, uh, is, so they're trying to figure it out. And they're like, okay, uh, well, uh, first off, look at this incision on the chest. It's a Y incision, which is done in a way where they did that around the Civil War. So this body is has got to be pretty old. Uh, I'm not sure the cause of death, but I'm thinking there's a slight dimple here uh, on the chest. Maybe he was shot and the police and the detectives are like, okay, uh, odd coroner, you're crazy. Uh, This is probably a body from the 1910s, 1920s. He probably got the scarlet fever. You know, that's what, that's how people died back in the day. This is probably scarlet fever. So the coroner is like, fine, how about this? We will x-ray the body. And that way, we will know. If it was scarlet fever, the lungs will be all effed up. And if it's a a, a bullet, then uh, we'll be able to find the bullet. So they put the body in the x-ray machine. And uh, real surprise, they see nothing. OK. Absolutely nothing. And the cops and the detectives are like, what? What is this? What is this? And the, the coroner is like, OK, I think I figured this out. See? Uh, we can't see anything because the rays are the x-rays are bouncing off the body. And I know why. Back in the day, we're talking 1900, 1910, 19. They stopped around 1920. But back in the early days, like sometime between the Civil War and 1920, uh, they started using a weird... Uh, uh, Thing to keep the body preserved. It was an embalming fluid, fluid using arsenic. We don't use that anymore. They did that first with Lincoln because Lincoln died. He was killed and everyone wanted to see the corpse, so they needed to come up with a thing to keep the body alive for a long time. So they came up with this weird concoction that's super dangerous and we don't use it anymore, but that's what this is. The rays are bouncing off the body because there's a ton of illegal chemicals in this body. uh, uh I think we figured this out. So they pull the bullet out, and and they're like, "Okay, I don't know what bullet this is." They take it to forensics. It's a turn of the century bullet inside the corpse's chest. So um, that's how they found out that the body of uh, so so so they know that it's an old body, and but they're still stumped. They're still stumped. This is how they find out that the body was Elmer McCurdy's. They're like, okay, we're gonna cut the entire body open. We're gonna peel the entire body out. We're gonna search this body from inch to inch. We're gonna figure this out. First thing, let me take a look at his mouth. They open his mouth to check the teeth. They find a coin from 1924, and a ton of tickets for the Museum of Crime. See, remember in the early days of Elmer McCurdy, they would pay by putting the money in the corpse's mouth? Apparently the owners of the Museum of Crime kept up the tradition and put a bunch of tickets and stuffed them in his mouth. And that's how in 1976, with the help of creepily thin, mustached Lee majors, that they found out that the body of Elmer McCurdy was discovered. That's how they figured out the body of Elmer McCurdy was discovered. A guy in the 1920s shoved tickets up his mouth and yeah. they looked out of his mouth in 1976 so so now they know okay shit this uh, funhouse had the corpse of an old timey wild west uh uh bandit so a bunch of funeral homes offered to bury elmer free of charge probably for the publicity but well, local officials surprisingly pulled a joe johnson and they said well a lot of people have come forward offering to bury elmer free of charge but um would just like to maybe we should wait and see maybe we can find some next of kin who can claim him and uh, no one shows up surprisingly until someone does a historical organization in Oklahoma stepped up known as the Oklahoma Westerners Indian Territory Posse which was the local chapter of a nationwide group called Westerners International. This was a massive group which studied and preserved the history of the American West. And so the Oklahoma Westerners Indian Territory Posse said, look, we're not related to Elmer. We don't have any family claims to the corpse, but look, We are an organization that preserves Wild West culture and history. And this man lived in Oklahoma. His crime spree was in Oklahoma. He died in Oklahoma. We preserve Western culture. We would like to claim the body and lay him to rest in the state of Oklahoma, where he should have been buried in 1911. So finally, in 1977, Elmer McCurdy was buried, and he was buried uh, fairly close to where I live, and I have a video. The video is cute. And my kids are in it, and Maxwell mispronounces posse, which is really cute. The the The sound at the end isn't perfect, but if you're listening to this, you can still listen to it. I found some great copyright free western music to play in it and i'm really proud of the video and i am going to cue that up now let me let me oh i just queued it up no no that's fine we don't need voices over i think i queued it is it running i think it is there you he- There's Posse. Posse. Hello, everybody. It's me, Reverend Steve, and we are here in Guthrie, Oklahoma. More specifically, we are here at Summit View Cemetery at the grave of Elmer McCurdy, one of the best, worst, Wild West outlaws ever. 300 people were here on April 22, 1977 to see Elmer McCurdy finally laid to rest. He was missing a number of his digits, most of his hair, uh, some of his ears. He had a difficult life after death, and when they buried him, fun fact, just to make sure he didn't go anywhere because he did get around as a corpse, they buried him, they put him in his uh, casket, they put him underground, and just to be safe, they brought a cement truck in and they covered it in cement. So he is down there for good. We've done a lot of shafts, but this shaft really does feel close to home because we're here. We are here. Elmer McCurdy is right here. It's very, very personal. And I've come with two bits to give to Elmer McCurdy.
5: I'm going to put him right
1: here in the boot. And there you are, Elmer McCurdy. There's a lot of Wild West outlaws who have gained prominence over the years, like Billy the Kid and others. I don't know the West, but one thing I'll tell you is that he was the worst criminal with the longest career. I mean, Billy the Kid, people know Billy the Kid, but how long was he uh, a bad guy in the Wild West? This long. He lived through the 50s and 60s and 70s as a corpse. He, he had a huge career. He was basically the Betty White of dangerous Wild West criminals. And you gotta tip your hat in respect to Elmer McCurdy. And we're back with Steve's historic approximations. This is the end of the SHAP. I feel that I went above and beyond for this week's SHAP. It yes, consumed it consumed every just every second of my life. The story of Elmer McCurdy. It it took it took an hour and 10 minutes to drive to Guthrie, Oklahoma, the site of Bruce Nobles. Yes. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Uh, yeah went to visit the grave of elmer mccurdy there was a a very old ring that was there in front of the gravestone and bella's like "Ooh, found a ring found a ring and natasha was just like no don't pick it up don't take it that's how you get ghosts yes hey, smartest thing smartest thing in the world i was gonna take like the ring or maybe some change oh hell no we would have uh-huh. been haunted we would have been haunted. Smartest thing in the world. You do not My take wife, shit from a yeah, graveyard. Don't take shit from a graveyard. Yeah. Unless you're a, uh, Mark Borchardt in the movie American Movie. You give your girlfriend a nice flower arrangement from the cemetery that you work at. Uh, well, that's that
0: unusual movie. that people are still leaving stuff. Yeah, there was a bottle of whiskey there.
1: There was an old well, like cowboy. Be, yeah. There was an old cowboy boot, and people were showing up and leaving change at his grave, which I thought was hilarious because he was the spare change bandit.
0: Okay, you know. But now that implies to me that right now, he has fans. Yes, yes.
1: There are a number of videos on YouTube about Elmer McCurdy. I watched a I watched a lecture of a woman who dedicated her life to Elmer McCurdy uh, history. There are Elmer McCurdy historians out there. I read an entire three hundred and ninety nine page, uh, insanely researched nonfiction book about the life of Elmer McCurdy. There are really? people out there who are with wild west and within that culture there's a subculture of people who just travel the world telling the story of elmer mccurdy i found an old-timey uh uh folk band called um, i think it was called heaven's mustard or something like that anyway they have a song called the ballad of elmer mccurdy and it's really cute i have it on my phone right now yeah because i i've, I've I can see how there are people out there that are obsessed with this man because I spent three and a half weeks balls deep into the life of Elmer McCurdy and goddamn, I can see how people become obsessed with this story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oof, this it was is, a- it is fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating from head to toe. I mean, like how, how do you suck at nitroglycerin? You know, yeah, yeah. after having yeah. been trained by the military, I mean, you yeah. did have a skill. Yeah. He was Were just horrible. You not at it. paying attention.
1: In my mind, I imagine every time they have to rob a train, being just like Owen Wilson's robbery at the end of Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Where like the old Indian guy is the safe cracker and Owen Wilson comes in to check on him and he's just sitting on the chair. What are you doing? And like like all madcap Wes Anderson-y. Yeah. Yeah. This would make a great Wes Anderson film. It really would. Anyway, that's this week's chap. It was amazing.
0: It was wow. amazing. Yes. Awesome, what awesome job, chef? dude. Thank you.
1: This was incredible. I went to a grave. Yes, you did. When you've been there, I've been there. (laughs) Next week, I've got two words for you Manacled Mormon. Okay. Crazy ass story. Not as crazy as Elmer McCurdy, but that's next week's app.
0: I think I know that story. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's, It's a bit of a popular one. Yeah. But uh, that's next week. Be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that.
2: Cut. On that. Has it been cut? We're
1: I'm cut. assuming. Okay. Yes. Unfortunately, it's all downhill from here because now we got to talk about a shitty Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> but, uh, Really, my shap was the high point. And now, yes. unfortunately, we're talking about the bees. But before we get to this week's movie, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Popon film after these commercial messages. do do do, do, do,
2: do, do, do, do. And break.
0: Where am I going? There we go. (laughs) This is a hundred percent of the shots.
4: I am a spider. Yes, I'm a nice spider. Just kidding! <laughs> Not that nice. Ooh. Yeah. Not that nice. Oh-wee. Oh! Hey. oh. Spider bite, spider bite. Yeah, you'll probably get an urgent reaction after the emergency room. oh oh no Woohoo, hoo oh, happy Happiness, yeah! Woo! Oh! You know what I like to do? Oh! Oh! And I like to hide, hide where you can't see me, and then... when you don't expect it... That bites you! Oh, oh, oh, oh man, it's gonna suck! Totally! Oh, oh, oh, oh, Look in my eyes. Don't be afraid. Spiders don't bite. Just kidding. Oh, oh, I saw eye bite. Yeah, not that nice. Oh, hey.
7: Oh,
4: spider bite. Spider bite, spider bite, I'm biting, spidey! Don't be afraid. No, baby. Don't be afraid. I'm not gonna bite. I'm spider so polite. Justin, Oh, I'm totally biting, biting. I'm biting you. Yeah, today. Um, Biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting, biting.
1: You know how some people have, like, like celebrities, like, if you, if you ever met this if that guy, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is if I ever met this guy, yeah, he would be, like, my one.
3: <laughs>
1: That's what I'm trying to tell you.
3: Oh.
7: Batman! Ah! You got have to
1: say that the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. <laughs> Rebels! Rebels! You can't tell me what to
3: do. You're not my dad.
7: And Go-Go is back in the race. Death rich, the rock.
6: The star had the number one record in England for more weeks than any singer in history, even Elvis and the Beatles. And now for the first time on American TV, we proudly offer the fabulous hits of Slim Whitman, the man voted number one international male artist in England four years in a row. Here is all the magic of Slim Whitman, the international star who has sold 31 million
3: records. All the
6: songs that touch people's hearts the most are in this album, and I hope you'll let them touch your heart
0: too.
5: Have I told
6: best this giant record treasury is only 798 complete tape collection is only 998 not sold in any store order yours now to get this beautiful treasury mail $7.98 for album $9.98 for track tape to slim whitman box 2525 grand central station new york 10017 be sure to do it now this special slim whitman collection is available through this offer only rush $7.98 for album 998 for tape to slim whitman Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New
0: York, 10017. Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Anybody want a peanut? Come back next week, and I'll go give you all the peanuts you want.
2: Are we going to get copyright
1: striked?
3: Afternoon. Sorry about this. It's okay. I'll get it. spoken in a few years i need your help i need your help i have a daughter her name is rowan she has been missing for two weeks now i fear she is in danger so now i turn to you be careful and believe nothing that you see or hear
7: lost your bearings hey
0: sorry snuck up on me there
3: this is private property
0: do you know her hmm
7: i
3: don't recognize this child
6: welcome
3: my little girl is still here she has been taken by who i don't know
0: i'll find her
3: if she existed we would know of her
0: whose desk is this hmm?
3: You suspect foul play. Hey! The wicker man returns.
0: Who's the wicker man? I'm
5: going to search every inch of this town. She'll
1: burn to death. She burned to death.
7: <laughs> I need your help. <laughs>
0: Shitty film, and we're back with more of the Pope on film. Oh Rose
2: Marie I love you
0: <laughs> Yeah cuz you cuz I I'm like grabbing coffee and water so I'm ready for act 3 and I was late Uh but but while I'm while I'm doing that I'm hearing you and you were you were riffing on Slim Whitman that's cool Everybody does everybody should <clears throat> And the part where you were asking Tasha to get a pen so you could take down the number, I was like, okay, maybe not for Slim Whitman, but they used to advertise for shit. Like, back in the day, we did that, okay? We literally did that, you know? And that would be what it would be like. It would be like, you would run and grab a pad, a piece of paper, and a pen, and you would be like, 1-800, fuck, it's over. And you would have to wait for the commercial to cycle around again, you know. You need to wait for the Freedom
1: Rock commercial to come back on.
0: Right. You had to wait for Freedom Rock to come back on or or the Pocket Fisherman because Father's Day was coming. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to get him.
1: Hey, man, is that Freedom Rock, man? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Oh, I went through the desert on a horse with no name. Sunshine, go away today. We may never pass this way again. Come on, people, now shine on your brother. Freedom rock is not sold in stores.
0: Yes, I, I, I just to... wanna, I just wanna bring that up because when you were doing it, it just like triggered a memory. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yes, I, I, I know have... that well. I need to get a money order. But anyway. <laughs> I am, I am. Let's get on to this fucking movie. Act three, buddy! Act three! Act three! No, not the act three! Not the act three! The same! How'd it get act three? did it get act three? How'd it get act three? Nice. And in the, in the Oscar goes, too
1: geez louise <laughs> yes bunny my friend it is time once again for all of us here at the Popon film podcast to casually stroll our way into the third and final act of the show and it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our extra strength low cost high in fiber hello we have been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty movie of the week and this week we may very well end up saying the word bees more times this week than when we actually covered B movie because this week we discussed the 2006 Nicolas Cage film The Wicker Man number 84 on the list of IMDb's bottom 100 worst films of all time. Hold on a second, bunny. I need to stop the podcast cuz there's something in the house. What is that? Oh no. Not the bees! the bees! the bees! Because if you're allergic to bees and they put a net around your head and pour bees inside, what yeah. you're going to want to do is open your eyes, open your mouth, really let all of the bees in there.
0: Yeah. That's I personally would would try to relax as much as possible and see if I can get one of those beard bee beard things bee beards, nice, yeah because they seem safe
1: uh, well what, the Nicholas Cage's big problem in, in, in relationship to the bees is that he was moving around too much, if there's one thing that Steven Spielberg taught me is that every animal's vision is based on movement yeah. if Nicholas Cage had just stayed still, boom the bees would be like, hey, there's no human here. Is it John Cena? And then he would have been fine. That's called science. Yeah. Science! So, okay, uh, the thing we, we start every movie with, uh, every summer we have themed summers on the podcast. And so we do we go for themes, and we did the summer of Saw and the summer of Star Wars. And then Fred Willard died last year, so we did the summer of Fred Willard, taking a, a retrospective at his life. Uh, I was really proud that I found that pregnancy film, which was his first movie where he was yes. playing the Peter Coach. Really proud we found that. And uh, this year, we're doing the Summer of Bottoming, where we're taking a hard look at IMDb's list of the 100 worst movies of all time. And we are on number 84, The Wicker Man. Now, I am a fan of the original. 1973 film The Wicker Man starring TV's The Equalizer. Yes. Mr. Edward Woodward. That's a lot of sounds. Uh, Because the original Wicker Man it's basically the it's the grandfather of my favorite movie of all
0: time. There's definitely a
7: thread.
0: Between oh, the, the night,
2: The original there's, there's,
0: Wicker Man is a beautiful fucking movie. The yeah. music gets a little jiggy sometimes.
1: It's basically a musical,
0: the original. Yeah. It's
1: basically a musical. It's weird. And uh, Natasha and I, uh, we have been married for a long time, and we don't get uh, as physical as we used to when we were younger. But I am hoping that the next time we are physical, my wife and I, that my wife will seduce me by getting naked and just rhythmically banging on the wall. Yeah. Apparently, that's enough to set the equalizers' loins on fire.
0: Yeah. It up all night. It does, naked woman it does help. It does help that it's Britt Eklund. Yes, it does.
1: But uh, the way I see it. The Wicker Man walked so that Midsomar could run and then yes. jump up. Yes. Yes. So I'm a big fan of the original Wicker Man.
0: I, I am more than willing to say and take a stand that Midsommar makes an excellent sequel to... The Wicker Man.
7: Yeah, yeah, I would say that. If you I watch one,
0: that. you almost have to watch the other right after. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: There's a roller coaster for the Wicker Man.
1: I I watch a lot of uh, white people who can afford to go to a lot of theme parks, and so they become YouTubers. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, in Alton Park in England. They have a Wicker Man roller coaster, and it's a wooden roller coaster. And three times you go through a giant, like six-story Wicker Man made out of wood, and you—the roller coaster goes through the body, and it's smoking <laughs> and stuff. It's really—it's an awesome-looking roller coaster. Yeah. And then the the line going to the roller coaster—you're going through the woods. There's whispers. You hear music. It, it's great. It's a great roller coaster. Uh. I haven't watched the original for a while, so I watched it uh, twice for this podcast. Uh, And I'm just going to come out and say it. I think that the creators of the Burning Man Festival should be sued.
0: Oh, God, yeah. It's always been a ripoff of this. Yeah.
1: They say, oh, ancient traditions and yada, yada, yada. But no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah should there should totally be a lawsuit 100% lawsuit regarding uh, this but um
0: okay so it's 1978 okay okay well, no no let's just stay there just a little bit longer okay because the original yeah. wicker man also has a lot of interesting subtext going on as well and and what they did was genius what they do in this movie is what the fuck
1: here's a a fun question for us to discuss Bunny who was in the Wicker Man less Christopher Lee or Ellen Burstyn Because you don't see, because I'm like, because I'm like, like I haven't seen the movie for a while, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch this film. Christopher Lee is great in this. Christopher Lee is.
2: We're starting the lag. Where the out? fuck is Christopher? Lee looking like a hippie.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, let me try
0: something. We're looking we're looking good. We're looking good uh, now. Okay. okay. We're ah, good now. Okay. So, so who do
1: you think? Who do you think was in the Wicker Man less? Christopher Lee or Ellen Burstyn? I think Ellen Burstyn. I'm going with Ellen Burstyn. But Christopher Lee was not in the Wicker Man that much.
0: No. No. You know. But but when he was, he then, from that point on, from his introduction on. He pretty much dominated the movie. Yes. You know? But it's
1: like it's like when it's like when critics and movie producers in Hollywood and stuff when, when when they go, uh, oh yes, uh John Travolta's Pulp Fiction. And it's like, okay, hold on. Yeah. He's not the star of this film. Like, I, I saw a lot of uh reviews when the movie came out of like Kevin Spacey's Baby Driver and it's like no yeah, no no so a lot of people say Christopher Lee's The Wicker Man and it's like ah that's like saying Samuel L. Jackson's uh, The Phantom Menace yeah like like you're Boy is in this. No, Wicker Man had more to say in the podcast, but oh, yeah. the star uh, Edward Woodward—he had ideas.
0: Okay, we're lagging out a bit again. Hold on.
1: He said, where is your church? Where is Jesus? You know, like, he was a man of principles. He had belief. Yeah,
0: Yeah. And, and then once Christopher Lee hits the screen, then they are equal. You know what I mean? Whereas up until this point, Edward Woodward being the authoritarian figure amongst the hippies, okay? is all, he is talking to subordinates. He is talking all to people who are beneath him. Yeah. Until he gets to Christopher Lee, and now he is talking to somebody who is his equal, if not higher, you know, in Mm -hmm. stature. Yeah.
1: (sighs) Yeah, so the original Wicker Man, it's quiet. It's quaint. It's bright. It's literate. It's subtle, and it's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of jump out and getcha
0: moments in the original Wicker Man. It's also set in Europe, where you can understand that you find a people somewhere. I mean, it's more plausible that you can find a people somewhere who are still following the old ways. Yeah. And for the most part in this movie and probably you know I mean the wicker man for a culture is probably kind of on the in- extreme side but everything else in this culture there's no problem with living like that.
1: Yeah. And then the people in in the remake of the wicker man are like, "Oh, we live the life of the Amish, free from technology." And the trappings of modern day, and it's like, oh, okay, well, then who's running your fucking website? Yeah. There was a website in the beginning of this film. Who's running <laughs> that? I would like to know. Yes. Yeah. The the original was subtle, and there's not a lot of scares, and there's not a lot of gore. And the original Wicker Man takes its time to set up uh, like an atmosphere of dread instead of outright scares. It's almost a minimalist
0: horror film. Then there's 2006! Yes. Let me sum up this movie real quick. The 2006 Wicker Man looks and feels as if it was made by somebody who saw the original Wicker Man, loved the original Wicker Man, didn't get the original Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there are, there are a lot of scenes in this that are like fucking shot for shot. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, this movie is ridiculous.
0: Uh, uh,
1: it it was originally supposed to be an R-rated film, and there's some scenes in uh, of torture at the end of the film uh, that were removed because it's 2006. Everything has to be uh, PG-13. So they they toned it down to get a PG-13 rating. So it, the meme-ability of this film shows you just how many people saw it in theaters because uh in the theatrical version and i saw the theatrical version you don't see nicholas cage get his legs broken you hear it and yeah. there's never seen where they put the crate on his head and they pour bees into it so in theaters no one saw that so the fact that Uh, Nicolas Cage getting the crate put on his head, and all the bees pouring in, and he's yelling, the bees, not the bees! That became a meme, because no one saw this fucking movie in theaters. They all saw it on DVD much later. Yeah. And that's why this deleted scene, which was added for the DVD, became such a meme worthy. See, the thing is that I never saw the original. I saw the original Wicker Man. I never saw the remake of the Wicker Man, but everyone all of my life has told me, oh, you're Steve. You're the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. And yet you haven't seen this one bad movie that I have seen. So I must know bad movies better than you, Reverend Steve. I can't believe you haven't seen the original Wicker Man. It's so bad, it's good. It's hilarious. It's so bad that it's funny. So, I was expecting this to be a funny, bad movie like The Room, but this was just boring as shit. And then the last 26 minutes are all memes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Like it picks up the last 26 minutes, but you know, when he's like, What happened to the doll? What happened to the doll? And him in the bear outfit punching that woman in the face like it's her ass yeah it's all meme worthy at the end of the movie but before that it's just boring it's just a boring ass movie i was expecting more from this film and this film did not deliver
0: oh Uh, no well first off first and we really have to do these side by side you know First yeah. off, Edward Woodward is the personification of an authoritarianist. Uptight British. A Christian authoritarianist. Yeah. Some people we're dealing with a lot lately. Yeah. And a virgin. Yeah. Okay. Whereas Nicholas Cage the is a guy is a guy getting self-help books self-help self-help to try to get over his relationship self-help cassettes self-help yes. books
1: to get over the yeah, yeah, if Edward Woodward had convictions and principles, and Nicholas Cage is just a putz.
0: And the whole car thing in the beginning, did that actually have to do with anything, really? Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. The car that blew up. Yeah. So, he gets a letter from his ex-girlfriend, Nicholas Cage, now. Yeah. Who is just the cop, just the schlub. Again, you know, can't hold relationships together. Things like this, and he gets a letter from his girlfriend that their kid is missing or whatever. He doesn't know their their kid yet, and he comes to the island this way. Edward Woodward. It seems like that was more of an anonymous letter that he had gotten. He yeah. certainly didn't get it from an ex. He was a virgin. Yeah but somebody leaked to him that Rowan was missing Edward Woodward. Now,
2: Yeah.
0: Kind of the same thing with Nicholas Cage. So like they're, they're holding the same plot here. Okay. But right off the bat, just that's a major miss. Yeah. You know, it, another thing about
1: this movie is that there's a direct link between Nicholas Cage's, the wicker man and Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Yes. I wanted to discuss, because Tommy Wiseau makes The Room. It's one of the worst drama ever made. Uh, people laugh at it, and what does Tommy Wiseau do? Oh, well, I meant for this to be a comedy. I I made the world's funniest movie on purpose. I am genius. It's like <laughs> bullshit. Made a bad movie. Don't try to save face and And God Spoke This.
0: No, no, I'm sorry. I really gotta I really gotta I, I really gotta support Tommy Weasel or any kind of independent filmmaker, especially when they're spending their own motherfucking money to try to do something that they believe in, you know, and Okay, it's not great. Have you seen Dementia thirteen? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you seen Crimes of the Future yet?
1: Yeah, so they make a remake of The Wicker Man, <laughs> and people start laughing at it. And so Nicolas Cage is now being interviewed, and he's like, well, the director and I worked hard to craft a dark, comedic tone that people didn't get, and it's bullshit. You, a yeah. bad movie is a bad movie. Yeah, Don't we'll try and say you made it a comedy on purpose. Don't and God spoke this. Don't belittle me.
0: No, because there are several spots where they really, really fucked up. See, again. See, again. In the original movie, there was a a clear power struggle between Edward Woodward and Christopher Lee. <clears throat> and like I had said before, they were kind of on equal footing. Yeah. Now, I am all for movies that want to take a matriarchal stand, but this one isn't it, okay? And I think that's a failing of the movie, because now Nicolas Cage, who's already all wrong, is, the power struggle here is skewed, because they are not on equal footing, she is something other yeah a matriarchal society is something that is outside all of our experiences, you know so now you you the, the so that power struggle is completely fucking shot in this movie, yeah, and they just don't have the same relationship that he had with Christopher Lee.
1: Oh, uh, fun fact about this movie, Uh, the original director of the 1973 The Wicker Man, uh, Robin Hardy, he's given credit for writing the screenplay for the 2006 film, which is odd because, uh, number one, he didn't write this movie. And number two, he didn't even write the original Wicker Man. So it's like, remember when we did Plan 9, the sad modern day version with Mr. Lobo in it? Yes. Yes. It's like if they listed the film screenwriters as Ed Wood and Tim Burton. Yes. It's basically what The Wicker Man did. And so, Robin Hardy, like, sued to have his name removed from this movie. Really? Yeah. And I love that. Like, don't give me credit for this. Like, when a movie is a success... Everyone is fighting to take credit for it. But when it's a failure, who can we pin this on?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I love that.
0: I mean, and, and like... And it's like they wanted to do, like, a new thing, a new kind of cult instead of the one that we have. Yeah. You know? So, like... What is with the bees? I mean, I'm sure in the original they had bees somewhere. Yeah. But they were completely self-sufficient, and that's very different than, hi, I'm selling honey as a product to keep our local island economy going. Yeah. You know, like... Almost. You know, I mean... In the original movie they did some trading, but they did trading for what they needed and what they had.
7: Yeah. yeah. Really? Chapter. I thought it was this
0: is like we have decided we are gonna be the honey queens and we are going to sell our honey far and wide. You know? Really? Like, yeah. like their cult kind of had like a mission statement. You know?
1: It, it I, I started laughing during one part of the movie because Nicolas Cage is running to every house and knocking on the door and going, Summer's Isle! Summer's Isle! Summer's Isle! And I'm yeah. like, damn, just somebody give Nicolas Cage some douche. Jesus. <laughs> he really needs some some douche. And that's when I go, oh wait. Summer's- that's Summer's Eve. Yes. This is something different. It's Summer's Isle. Okay, so funny. Here's my pitch. I figured it out. This is 100% canon. They are two rookie cops and they've been tasked to track down a missing woman and they're like, "Oh, so who are we trying to find?" Uh, oh, Oh, Rowan. Oh, that is such a nice name. Yes. You know what, Barb? I was just thinking yeah. that that is such a nice name. Oh, so I guess we got to go to this island and go find this girl, okay? A- a- and well, you it's know more than- Star, meet the wicker man
0: you know you know why you know what i bet it is what i bet it is like here in america it's trish but over in europe it's rowan yeah and uh yeah
1: i i can see the entire movie in my head barb and star meet the wicker man yes
0: out of Not me. Not you. Oh, okay.
2: This is a horrible
0: movie, don't get me wrong. But out of the movies that we have watched so far, if I had to watch another one again, it would be this one. And uh, Nicholas Cage is running around the forest
1: in a bear outfit, and I'm like, "That's the right outfit to wear." No man has ever had anything bad happen to him while he was in a bear suit in the woods around cultists.
0: Okay, but see, here's the bear suit is another great example. Okay, because Edward Woodward didn't get into a bear suit. He got into, into the suit in that in was suit, Punch. God. No one what? knows who
1: Punch and Judy are in America. Yeah.
0: Right. But he got in the, into the suit that was Punch. And this was completely his choice as well. So yes. he was trying to blend in, disguised as Punch, when Punch represents the fool.
1: Okay, Bunny, you are 100% right. Now that I'm looking back at it, out of all the movies that we've done, if you told me you had to watch one of these movies and the movies were Swept Away, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, fucking Dungeons and
0: Dragons, and The Wicker Man, I would watch The Wicker Man again. Yeah, because it's the other ones are boring. Yeah. I can hate watch this film again. Yes. I can watch this movie and be like, this is a piece of shit, and this is why. And go, and me. do that through the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Like, we should do a commentary on this fucking movie one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Like, like, yeah, out of all the bad movies that we've seen so far, this is the only one that I might see a second time. 100%. You know,
0: I, and that's it. In the, in the original movie, you felt like you were seeing something where everything had meaning christopher lee and drag had meaning you know and him being dressed as punch had meaning nicholas cage was just in a bear suit yeah yeah and then they killed the pilot why the fuck did they kill the
1: pilot And also, why did, why, why did the pilot risk his life for what did, what did Nicolas Cage offer him? $200? That's it? You're going to risk being murdered by these cultists for $200? And why did they murder you in the first place? Um, yeah, I can hate watch this. I can definitely hate watch this.
0: And I don't know about you, but the acting was definitely off because I really didn't believe anything that anybody was saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the original movie, they would be talking some really weird shit. And, and you could tell by their faces yeah. how you're supposed to feel about these things. Yeah. You know, how are you supposed to feel about a maypole dance? Well, Look Look at their faces. They're cool with it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This didn't have this. Yeah. This anyway. had an implied threat over yeah. his head from the beginning. Yeah. They tried their best to accommodate Edward Woodward because they needed him. Yeah. That's all
1: I've got for this
0: week. This movie was
1: shit, but I don't know. I, it, it was a bit of fun shit. It was more boring than I thought it would be. But out of all the movies we have so far done this summer, this is the only one that I might want to see again. Yes. Bunny helped me realize that.
0: Yes. And also, my family has
1: to go to some Fourth of July party.
0: If, if I had to. Yeah, if we had to.
1: If we had to, yeah. Next week, we're doing Spice World, the Spice Girls movie. Oh,
0: man. Hey, do you want to watch I... the Spice
1: Girls movie with me next week? You can, sure. You can, you can help us talk about the film. Sure.
0: Okay. I have actually heard good Are things about mean, this. And Scary Spice. They're all Spice
1: Girls. Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, Posh Spice, Baby Spice, and Ginger
0: Spice. I, I have heard that this movie gets a bad rep. I've so seen I'm a kind movie. of hopeful on this one. Huh? I've
1: seen it before, and it's really fucking horrible, but in, like, a quaint way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a different type of horrible. But we'll see. I, I, I'm i just saying I'm going into this one positive.
1: Yeah. But that's that's next week.
0: Now that I'm looking back at this week, uh, Melania Trump,
1: Stephen King, The Fifth Dimension, Nicolas Cage, and The Bees... Elmer McCarty!
0: Oh my god. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This yeah. has been a damn good episode with a damn good shaft topping.
1: All right, That was an amazing shaft. Whip shaft. I, I, I agree 100% wholeheartedly. I occur... I concur with your assessment, good sir.
2: Me too, and also, in, and also, how I know this podcast because I've been sitting in the living room listening while playing on the
7: Twitch. <laughs>
0: McCurdy was amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. I, yes, but I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week. I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend
1: Steve, And On behalf of Natasha and Maxwell and Bella and everybody else, I would like to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens.
7: And you do
2: and poopy tuts.
1: Yes. And you, and you rotting corpses. Nice. Way to tie it all together, Maxwell. Do-do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do-do.
0: Do-do-do-do-do-do-do.
1: a doo wow Cut and print.
0: Cut and print.